When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no sooner way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Nuna. It's, it's, sir, it's sir, sir. It's, it's sir. Dan. Of Dan and Marty of Nooner. Well, welcome welcome to, this to the Nooner, Nooner Podcast on the Smartco Internet Radio Network. As always, uh, my, uh, your host. my name um, is Marty. You. Um, and, and today's uh, special guest here is uh, John, John Sylvain. Returning. John Sylvain. Back, John. Uh, oh, and, the, yeah, and it's so Dan good to see Atherage. you, Marty. It's been welcome. how many years? Welcome. Uh, Very good. Just, uh, so, uh, let's start with a question, Marty. Well, no. Uh, okay. Go go ahead. How is my show? We'll get into that. How have you? No, no, we'll, we'll, you have been. You let's put the my, comment out of the way. You I, were entrusted as the caretaker of Nooner. How have you done as caretaker? Great yourself. I'm not the one to. You're right. The listeners are, yes, aren't they? It's the listeners. The um, folks out there. The three that are left. <laughs> How single digit number of you out there? Three. I just told you three. Three. Really? Yeah. I don't believe it. I believe Marty. You have a legion of fans. Why? Because you are God's gift to this world. At you Nooner know, I podcast. And we've got Jane and Darren and. Tyson listening in. Tyson? Tyson and Darren, so they're years. manning the, uh, Darren, the Tumblr page, which that is, is so fantastic.com. Hey, fellas. Hey, everybody. So, uh, know, but, but let, you know, okay, so that little comedy bit's done. Marty, we, it's nice to be here. It was to see great you to have you back. And especially, you know, we start every show off with a little tidbit from the news. And it's should nice. We, should we? Should you talk into the microphone? I just I feel like maybe we, we, we stepped on John saying hi to John. Hey, John. So, anyhow, um, <laughs> I have one question. It's nice to have somebody who's actually genuinely like uh, knowledgeable about the news. It's mostly just That's why John's here. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was told so, there would be no math. <laughs> I, I just have one question. Yes. Where are the servers? Oh, that's such a provocative question. But as you know, I gave up I mean, Facebook and Twitter in 2018. So I am. A tiny bit behind in my news. No, no, we we've given up um, the Facebook here as well. Oh, you have? And yes, and so you know uh, Twitter is. just for the. Just I for posted the one time on Facebook this entire year, and it was yesterday. And I because I, I give I don't I, I was wasting too much time. It was not anti Facebook. It was Dan's mismanagement of his own life and time. I posted once yesterday, and it was about that fucking press conference that Trump gave. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. I had to I had to say something, of course, shouting into the wind of. My friends who all believe the same things I do, but I had to say something. Do like they all, all of them believe the same? Actually, no. Uh, there, were, there are some many friends and family who are on the reasonable Republican side. And in fact, reasonable? to be honest, they, are, they, they exist. Uh-huh. And uh, I was trying to speak to them, uh-huh. trying and to did, make sure that they would be with us. Did they respond? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't check Facebook. <laughs> so you just did it. That seems like a, a, a kind of a... That's not in the spirit of Facebook to just post and dash. Yeah, I know it was a post and dash. It was a P and D, but yeah. I needed to do it for me. <laughs> and <laughs> if B&D? not for the world, you, it was a P and D. You do <laughs> you. Have you ever like done a <laughs> I thought that was something else. <laughs> well, yeah. it's got don't, multiple don't meetings. Go, don't Google that. <laughs> 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 don't Google P and D. I call that a dirty Sanchez. <laughs> I hope that <laughs> <the> term <laughs> is not used <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> so no, where are? The um, where are the servers? Like I, I don't I've have been it. asking I, for months. Yeah, I don't. I don't have an answer for that. What do you mean? So <clears throat> when it asked, sort of a it was sort of something. Uh, yeah, it, uh, an AP reporter asked President Trump in the the Helsinki press conference yesterday whether he would um, uh, 
embrace the the intelligence report and uh, the you know the twelve the twelve or thirteen whatever uh, Russian people who were yeah. uh, charged with uh, colluding or well not colluding but uh, but uh, uh, tampering with our elections mm. um, and whether he would uh, hold. Uh, Putin responsible or mm-hmm. I forget what the exact question was and he just I said think the question was what the fuck right yeah and yeah. he just said yeah. well you know I've been wondering where about those servers uh, Hillary Clinton's mail servers like where are they what he brought that up again what, what are those well, I mean what, that's the whole what thing are they going to say like, to us those servers I don't necessarily like I'm maybe Russia has something on a pawn like I, like he's deeply the most narcissistic and insecure individual ever so the problem is is he Anytime he he has merged Russian meddling in his mind with Russian with like his campaign colluding, which may have happened to whatever degree, probably did in my opinion, but whatever. To like he was only elected because of the Russians. Yeah. So I think for him, he cannot discuss meddling right. without thinking that. So right. he always goes back to well, what about Hillary? Right. It's a dumb. It's right. a loopy stuff. And when in. they say like you know, they mention that the Russians were involved, which is clear. He just mm-hmm. says, well, it had nothing to do with us. There was no collusion. Uh, we just ran a brilliant campaign. That's mm-hmm. why we yeah. won. Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's not even the question. The question is they... Right. they in But you know what, Marty? I can't... The reason I got off Facebook and Twitter... Look, I'm outraged, and I will be there in the midterms, and I'll be there and beyond, but I'm taking a break from outrage at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, next news question. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, was that not yes and? Yeah, no, no, no. You know I've, got a, I've got... Okay. Puppies. Should, <laughs> should they deserve to live? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I totally disagree. <laughs> Let's talk about point, that. Counter I, point, counterpoint. I really like puppies. I think they're very cute. Yeah. Um, and uh, yep. I mean, I will, I will grant that they shit all over the place and piss all over the place, and then point they do it again. Conceded. And then, um, uh, but the other than that, they're really cute. Uh, next question. I won. You won. You know what we we like, or is are you going to introduce John more formally later, or can I John's tell like been, some John origin been, story? No, no, I'm no, I've been on this podcast before, man. I had no idea. I yeah. seriously had no idea. So I, no, I, 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 only, I was no only idea. one. Yeah. But like, so can I get to start? Okay, no, I'll, 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 I'll do it like yeah. later yeah. when you yeah. are ready as yeah. the host. Yes. I'd like to do John and Dan's origin so, story. <laughs> that It says right here, it's origin story, John and Dan, in my notes. I knew it. Because you're always prepared. Christ. Even when throughout my hosting of the show with you at the sidekick, I was never Wait, prepared. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. But you were, it's Nooner with Marty and Dan. That was Dan and Marty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you think the rhyme only worked if he flipped it at the end so it had like he, he Brad did a nice thing in the theme song so, oh. Nooner with Dan and Marty but at the end it's Marty and Dan and because Dan has a more of a like pow at the end uh, oh, I don't know pow. about I don't, I don't know about that yeah ask Brad Marty Dan actually yeah more percussive in the Dan that's right have you been it's following bop. the midterms <laughs> my god you are going to drag me into the muck <laughs> No, uh, no uh, do we have something to look forward to? Uh, I think we will. You know what? Here's the first thing I have to say. Nobody knows anything. So like, right. no, I, like, I've given up pontificating, too, because like I believe Hillary Clinton would not We have two hours win. fucking pontificating. Okay, what, let me, what, can, I just say, yeah. can I just say that the only way that the Democrats are going to uh, succeed in the midterms is if they could somehow manage to uh, like get a... A photo of like Trump shaking hands with Putin. I mean, if they could arrange that, you know, if somehow we could have the American president like literally sucking uh, the dick of, of the, Ru- the like next to him at a press conference. Yeah, yeah, that next to him at a pre- press conference. And, and, and like, and like uh, that. yeah, if they he could right. just like act like he really yes. likes him 
and, um, and if he could people... blame the United States for Russian aggression in front of the Russian, yeah, I mean, uh, but that would be yes, no, he would not, never nobody do would ever do that. No, 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 that. no. What I thought John was maybe going to say <laughs> was that uh, more well, intelligent thing. Uh, yeah. uh, well, no, 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 no. I think Point like John. I think like the Senate is going to be very rough, and I could see us just. More probably not winning the Senate. Okay. Um, the House, I think we have an excellent shot at. But again, the difference that will make this, it will be a wave election. But in most wave elections, that final tip of the wave, you know, just where it washes up the farthest, there's a whole tier of candidates who lose by like a point or two. You know, it's, it's this wave creeps up. You get all these unexpected, and that's where the wave becomes a real triumph of a wave. And those people are like the dried seaweed? Yes, it's yeah. like the kelp. Yeah. And, um, and, the, the unknown here in this year, unlike past years, is there's classically several ingredients in a wave, you know, dis- dis- Water, dis- disaffection with the incumbent, shells, things not bone. going well. God damn it, Marty. And here's the thing. In the, in the person's own party, disaffe- disaffection for the president. Right. And so the unknown here is that while there is disaffection in Trump's party with a lot of the never Trumpers and some of the right. sane Republicans, I would call them. The the rabidity of the pro Trump supporters is the enthusiasm and rabidity is is really 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 high. Now I'm not saying it's going to be so high that it will counteract our enthusiasm, which is going to be super high plus disaffected Republicans and independents. But it only but it's going to be so much higher. Like in George Bush in 2004, Republicans were just disillusioned. They all stayed home, and that's why we had a wave. And but here, those Trump supporters are not going to stay home. In fact, they're going to vote in bigger and record numbers. As well, so what I'm worried about is that the wave will sweep up, and just as we get to that one or two points mm-hmm. where those final victories that really make it a, a turnover of the house mm-hmm. will will that will that blunt that? All it needs to do is blunt it by a point or two, and we don't pick up 20 seats that we needed to pick right, up. Right. So that's why I think this one is harder to call. Well, one one issue within the very well done. Thank you very much. Within Thank the you. Democratic Party is where do you push for Democrat? You know the most electable Democrat, or the one who re- yeah. most represents, and you've got the Hillary Bernie dynamic. It's not necessarily the same thing, but you have that playing out everywhere. And the thing is, I really actually believe that it it, it cannot, and this is a problem for the party in terms of Nash one focused mission. But I think in this case, it's going to have to be. We cannot go. We have to go by case by case basis. Uh, well, how do you feel about Kevin DeLeon versus? Um, well, I, I think Diane Feinstein has done an excellent senator. job sure, running sure. senator. So I have no uh, senator from I, California. I wish he had stepped aside, but I don't feel the need to push her aside. But that's just one. But, one but guys, he got one the, Californians. He got the yes, the, but that the, is a that's a thing riddled Democratic with party. party super party activists, right? Who are longing for a change and feels she's too centrist. I, I get that there will be a change. She will have another term or whatever. Right. We'll, well, it's going to be Democrat. Regardless. I just right now I'm not that interested in Democrat versus Democrat. So I hope we don't spend a lot of resources on that. All yeah. right. So you don't don't get mad at your fellow Democrats, people. Well, I would say at this point we like <laughs> I, I remember saying this 2016 did not have a lot of effect with some folks is she's the nominee. We need all hands on deck. Right. She's not the greatest candidate. We have to we have to stop the squabbling. Now I can't I say really that's the reason Stein we lost. Was pull but it off. And that's why I voted for Jill Stein. What's that? That's why I voted for Jill Stein. You know, mm. because I'm a man mm. of principles. Mm. Um, and you you don't like uh, um, vaccines. It, it, she's an anti-vaxxer, isn't she? Yeah, mm. no, she's a doctor, so she I know, knows what right. she's talking she about. She's talking about. Yeah, and so she's also dined with Putin. So um, 
I'm sorry. It sounds like a P and D. It's like <laughs> it's a D and P though, John. It's, it's a different D and P. Don't Google that. Yeah. <laughs> so I brought you two together because oh. well, Dan was available, and I just wanted to the two of you in the room together. Your hands are clammy. because you guys have known each other for thirty years. No, 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 no. Over no, no, no. Yeah, since, we, since we were five. Yeah. Since we were five, uh, we have known each other since the uh, fall of 1986. So does that that makes it 32 years? This 1986. This Yes. Wow. This fall. Yeah, because I was a freshman, uh, as, as were you, Marty, but we were in different residential colleges. Freshman in the Timothy Dwight Residential College at Yale, fall of 86. And in that time, you the freshmen were usually grouped in rooms of four, two uh-huh. bedrooms, two each. And then there would be these single rooms throughout the college. And seniors had the privilege of selecting rooms first, and therefore they'd pick us, usually they'd pick a room to themselves. And so through our fire door next door to us was senior... And really, just as he is now, dazzling human being, John Sylvain, who was right through our fire door. And so me as like sheltered suburban kid coming from Virginia and like wanting to do theater, John was like the theater king and he ran the theater company and Timothy Dwight and he knew everybody and he started the, the, the amazing improv group at Yale. It was like living next door to like your vision of 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 college God. Right. And he was very kind to take me under his Yes, yeah. he was, and he was Don't very, very Google kind to me as a freshman. And if and it, I didn't make it clear uh, that that we're talking about John Sylvain, John yeah. Sylvain He's here in the room. So the, I um, remain what was dazzled. Do you by remember John now your first impression? Then. Of, what uh, do you remember your first impression of Dan when you met him? Uh, not my first. Imp- my first impression of Dan, I'm sure, was, oh, it's a freshman. And oh I deserve God. that. Oh, my God. Did I look that young four years ago? Oh, look, it's a khaki pant collared shirt freshman from Virginia. <laughs> I could not be less interested. Oh, wait. He likes theater and might be gay. I'm not, but I might be interested in that But you weren't aspect. out then, were you? No. no. I didn't no. know. I didn't no. know. There was, no. there was this one time when we went and visited Clay Eicher, who was this... Um, <laughs> I forgot about He was this that. amazing designer who <laughs> yes. designed all of the, the oh, Timothy Dwight shit. Dramat um, posters. Uh-huh. So, uh, and he was... I think he was actually a senior, but he's wor- had a, like an office in the in the um, school of architecture uh, building, or maybe he had started going there. At, and and I knew him from before when he was a undergrad from uh, old friends. He was a little bit older, and we went up there and looked at the poster for uh, something. It was M- one of your shows, I think. Was uh, it Henry? It might have been, been Henry. Henry. Yeah, I can't remember. He did a we'll great poster for Henry yeah. for, but. Um, and we went, and Dan came, and we looked at the poster, and we walked back, and, and on the way ba- back home, Dan says, uh, is he gay? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and, he, and he said, well, you know, I, I have a, I have a, uh, I, I, it's called Gaydar. And I was like, Gaydar? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, I wonder why Dan would notice. I know, by the way, how gay. obnoxious of someone to like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gay, but I've got this Gaydar, see? <laughs> Yeah, so, let me explain it to I, you. I am definitely not gay, but I can tell when others so he, are gay. Yeah. And is, I'm really interested oh, if other people are that. gay. <laughs> but not gay. Yes, yeah, scientifically, anthropologically. <laughs> well, I grew up in New Hampshire, so. It's really funny because I think back, uh, uh, you know, what, 1986, right? Yeah. yeah. 1987. And back then, um, I, one of the things that w- it was like a meme around campus was that Yale's a really good place to be gay. Yeah, that two and f- 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 
what something yeah, one in four, maybe more. One in four. One in four. That, remember right. the New York Times or Wall Street Journal article? But came that, out? that was after you graduated. Oh, it was, was right great. after you graduated. It was a Wall Street Journal article, and I think one in four, maybe more. And it was something yeah. like Yale four? thinks one in four people and maybe more are gay. At Yale, oh, really? Which yeah. was really far off from the truth. That's, and I was no, like, I think it probably had the same. Well, the funny of thing is, is the look back, you know, after you know, after thirty years of of basically doing theater and moving to urban environments yes. and living with lots of people and all sorts of people are gay and straight and in between and yeah. both and whatever. Um, but, you know, I think back on that and, and like there was this one guy who came out and we all were like, whoa, <laughs> wow, that's weird, man. So now you like guys? Wow. Now, now he does. Did, it was yeah. like, e- it w- I would say it was easy to come out yellow. It was still of like a no. It- Noted, you know, it was a noted thing. It was not hard, but it was not easy. It was somewhere in a thorny in between. Yeah, because I I only came out really towards senior year. Even freshman, like sophomore, I was only telling I got close friends. It was still like, oh, you know, keep this close to your vest. But you know, that sort of thing. Like it was an open secret. It was kind of a tightly kept secret. And that's where a were, lot of people were there. But unless you were yeah. someone like Reggie Sellers, who was just like so confident and like yeah well that was amazing he's the he's the star running back of the football team and yeah. he just like came out like you know fully and and boy that talk about big man on campus yeah everybody loved him yeah i have a story but i can't the star running back of the yale <laughs> Wait, football what do you mean you don't have a you can't you oh because i i did name him just then yeah I, had i not <laughs> named him you could have told the story oh, we'll, we'll come back to it next week yeah we'll come back to this next week yeah <laughs> Damn it! Uh, so, did you cast him in any shows? Well, yeah, uh, I cast him in uh, Henry the Fourth Part One. Except I made not a initially. Yeah, I, I'm not casting him in the lead role initially until uh, the guy who played the lead role, Vin. No, no, no Vin Diesel, Alan Heinberg, who is Alan an extremely Heinberg? successful television showrunner and writer. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah, wildly successful. But um, he, what, yeah. what shows? Um, I don't have it on the top of my head, but if we looked him up on IMDb, Alan's been... It's impossible And, and, and he that. seems like... I've run into him a time or two. He's a great guy, very successful. I wanna, but you did fire him. Like, but why did he... No, he quit. Oh. oh, I fired him. I, actually, I fired him because I realized that you would be much better in the role. <laughs> You're too, too kind, but I'm do go kind on. In the back of uh, uh, revisionist <laughs> history. Uh, so he wrote Wonder Woman. He did? Yeah. What Wonder I, Woman? The one with the, the movie. The movie. I'm telling you, he's a very, very successful really? fellow. He, oh, that's great. He was on oh, Grey's. We don't know. He could be personally, he could be devastated. He could be a junkie. We don't know. So it, it, it looks like things are going well, but we don't know. I hope right, he's doing great. That's good. Let's hope he's a junkie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So oh, here's so, the hoping. All right. So I have to tell you a funny story about, um, Please do. about Henry uh, the Fourth. Henry the Fourth, part one. So I was visiting, uh, you know, Jim. Don't, uh, no Jim spoilers. I haven't, yeah, I do know Jim. You, do you know Jim Tosney? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was sure. having lunch with Jim, and Jim Jim's an executive at Fox, and he has an assistant, which is nice. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, so ooh we, la la. We went and had lunch with him at the, and we were walking to uh, lunch at the new CAA building. It was new at the time; it was like mm. five years ago. And his assistant was sort of walking with us, and, uh, and shuffling Jim behind, says, just holding a, a big sheaf of papers. <laughs> Come in, Mister Tosney. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and Jim says. Uh, assistant guy whose name I don't remember um he did he was he went to Yale and he did theater I said oh you did he said yeah yeah and he said uh I directed uh, a production of Henry the fourth part one and I said outrageous I said that's fantastic and he said yeah it was pretty great it wasn't like the the legendary production oh wait do do go on and I said (laughs) the legendary production he said yeah there was a production I guess uh where you know Paul Giamatti played Falstaff and Ron Livingston played the king and 
and uh, Dan Etheridge was the. I know he didn't mention <laughs> my name in there, but I'm sure he mentioned Phil Giamatti Lamar, and Livingston. Phil Lamar, Phil Lamar was in it. That's right. I forgot Phil Lamar was yeah. in it. Yeah, and uh, I guess that was the extent of our our. Uh, but anyway, and and I said I I was such a it was such a great. <laughs> it was like <laughs> oh my god. So wait, I, you were Prince Hal. Yeah. Yes, but you, really, Paul John Giamatti. Yes, was Falstaff. Yeah. Great casting. Sylvain, by the way. new talent, and Phil Lamar, friend of the show, was. Points. And and Ron Livingston was wow. King was King Henry. Ron Livingston was was King Henry. I, Ron Livingston is one of those people that everybody knows who he is. Like Office Space, the lead yeah. Office, office Space. Yeah, office space. Yeah, you know, I just ran into Ron. That is the amazing. Other day. I see so him all the time. He's doing great. So what happened to you, Dan? <laughs> the, Dan did not try to be an actor. Dan came out to be a producer, and is has clawed his way to the middle. Thank uh, you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. That's the, I have the middle in quotes here uh, on my notes. But I have um, to say that, okay, so it was, it was the funny thing, and that, this is true of everything, and, and it's always a, a good lesson, is, is uh, so that sounds like an incredible show, and it was pretty darn good, but at the time, you have to remember, Paul Giamatti wasn't famous. <laughs> <laughs> Neither was Ron Livingston. And you, I would say this, like, there were... There were Phil Lamar wasn't yet on Mad TV. <laughs> there were campus, you know, like in every small, whatever size pond, there are campus stars. And by the time Giamatti left college, he was to a go to campus Yale. star. It was a go-to guy. Oh, yeah. lead. But I think part of that were the shows you were putting him in, because he was a sophomore then. He was one year ahead of me. So he was? No, G, yeah. So Giamatti was, as oh. you say, he was not, I'm sure he was, people were starting to go like, oh, there's a guy with who has some talent. Oh, yeah. But it was shows like Henry the Fourth and, and, you know, then we did the One Flew the Nest. Jason directed us yeah. in One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, which was Sean Levy, director and producer Sean Levy, yeah. was Billy Bibbit and Paul oh, he was? was, yeah, oh, and Paul yeah. was the Jack Nicholson role and I was a role which in the play is actually the central role, but in the movie is put into a su- small supporting character. The, the, the Billy? Billy? No, it's, his name's Harding, and he's kind of the, the sap who's in there. The, the right. kind of the, and in the movie, he's just marginalized as a sap who was just a sap. In, in the play, it's actually kind of, in a weird way, his arc. He's a, he's a, nar- he's a wussy sap in the beginning who okay. wants to narc on his friends, and at the end, he, he is the person who, who, does, who becomes not that by virtue of being there. So the whole thing about you know Chief escaping, that, I can't remember if that's in there or not, but Harding is the character they kind of been in. Oh, Harding is even changed by him. Yeah. So it's a bigger role in the play. But sure it is. Of course, I think sure. that's it, it was a bigger role in your mind. Yeah, yeah. That, that was his preparation. <laughs> that was his justification for I, doing. Know, he all had this like work. two or three lines, but I swear the whole arc was like about him. Hey, oh, you, you could just see it. It's, yeah. You see it in my face. You felt it. Look, yeah. when I played it, the arc was. Go- you know what? The <laughs> audience like knew. The audience that knew. Yeah. So yeah. I just so, remember the Indian was did not look Indian at all and was not very imposing. Was that Jamie Waterston? I don't know. Is, is that is Jamie that Waterston? Remember? Yeah, Jamie Waterston was also there. Because wow. we did Hurley Burley later on, which was Jen Westfelt and myself and Jesus and Jamie. Christ! I didn't know that so many famous actors went to <laughs> we're, like we're doing share the stage with and, you, and that is why John start like at the time. And this we'll just abuse this metaphor a little bit, but I think it's true. The Yale Dramat is the main university dramat. It had the money and the the place and the. It's and the, the word shows. is dramat, which dramat. is weird and only yes. there. Yes, it just exactly. means dramatic association. Yeah, mm-hmm. dramat. dramat. But at that time, each of the residential colleges, there were twelve then, t- had a, a little black box theater or would use the. Yeah, they they the, called the, them the, the dramati. Yeah, yeah, dramatis. And depending really, on the largesse really. of the the master of the college, who could devote whatever budget or resources the and the people in the college, 
they uh those dramatics could be more or it was like regional theaters they could be good or bad like or yeah. whatever using yeah. and TD john turned very... the td he turned single-handedly the td dramatic like the powerhouse regional theater right of setting that. and and they yes. performed in the cafeteria and we would build big i mean for hurley burley and i know john wasn't there for the for hurley burley we built a two-story california condo in the back mm-hmm. end of the and you well, know jason brought in a, a theater designer from new york that's right yeah. to do that a very industrious but john really turned the to the TD Dramat to sort of like if you weren't doing theater at the Dramat this is where really crazy great theater was going on and then he did bequeath the theater to Jason and then ultimately me and while I won't say we did everything great that John did we we kept that going for three years and I think but you really started that well actually I, I inherited it from uh, Nathaniel Kahn and Dave oh, Martino interesting they completely revived it it was uh, actually dead right. and they uh, they redid the whole thing and they built the they it was their idea to build the um, modular stage. Oh right, that you, yeah. you and then and Master T, who was the greatest guy, was master of the college. He would give resources, and then I think based on the strength of what you had built, and then I was his master's aide. Mm-hmm. So I would start to ask him for more money and things like that, and we ended up buying like the scaffolding and all that stuff. And he yeah. really he, he he started giving us whatever resources he could to to continue making a concern, you know, because we also did. Uh, was that you? Who did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf there? Sean Levy. Mean, Sean yeah. Levy directed that, was, that, that with Paul me. Giamatti in that, and that was in yeah. the TD. That was something, that's right. Jason and I were producing the dramatic, we had yeah. that show in there. Yeah, and I, I really I really always feel bad because I didn't hand it off to you because you, you were a freshman, and I handed it off to Julia, who I won't even say her last name because I want to talk bad, bad about her. That's so funny because uh, my memory is you handed it off to Jason, who then kind of brought no. me in. Because no. we were we were running it, yeah. So, well, she was, year. yeah. She was just a she was no, she ended up being a little great mentally unstable. I see. And she was a little bit mentally unstable. Did not forget all that. So <laughs> that was that was that was the that was uh, for anybody who was interested in that little digression. That was the origin story of John and Dan, and uh, and a lot of a uh, lot of uh, cool theater that was going on where. A lot of folks yeah, were learning amazing. how yeah, to did you uh, share the stage with uh, an, an Edward Norton. Did now that was in another uh, theater, but we did a, a great guy named Steve Crystal directed a Woody Allen play, kind of a creaky '60s comedy vehicle they called "Don't creepy. Drink the Water." Creaky, um, creaky, yeah. uh, and myself and Jen Westfall with the with the leads in it, uh, but my assistant in the show was played by uh, by a young Ed Norton. And how who was, was a, who was a great guy then? But how, now, how was so. he as an actor then? Uh, well, it, hard to say when you're just coming and going, yes, sir. But, but he no, did no, not, you didn't see his arc. He seemed like a, well, he was the it, back it one was of the no play. Harding. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> no well, Harding. You know what else John did? He formed the great uh, uh, Purple Crayon Improv Group at Yale, which was a. Trem- I was so jealous that I never felt I that I I just love seeing so the shows. I was founded jealous of that. them. He did. I was, I was a co-founder. What? Yeah, but one of the like, just like he's a co-founder of Sacred Fools here, or if not founder, who, who, uh, I'm the founder of Sacred Fools. Okay, so I founder of Sacred Fools, who is the, the who is a co-founder? Well, it started. It was really started by Eric Berg. Uh-huh. I was one. Of, I was one of the original members, and and uh, we did we did Woody Allen's God and Death. Uh, yes, uh, the year yes. before uh, <laughs> you I, improved it. I remember that? And then and then the people who were in that. Oh, I see. Um, he he picked people for from from for that and and created the purple crayon. He had studied with Del Close in Chicago for Chicago uh, Chicago for uh, a gosh oh a, a semester because he took some time off and then he came back and he started this improv group and um, he picked people that he'd been in plays with um, that were funny. So we had it was basically half of the purple crayon was from the cast of Twelfth Night yeah. and half the purple crayon was from the cast of. Um, 
God and Death. And, and Phil Lamar was a member of Phil Lamar was in it. Was and, uh, a member of Purple Crayon. And yeah. And, then and so you studied with Del Close. Yeah, a little bit. After that or, bef- or during after that? that. Then after that. Then we went out We went out to Chicago for, and we won the improv uh, fest at the uh, Cross Currents, and we were in New York Times. My picture was in the New York Times. Wow. Woohoo! On page B5, December 1st. Not that I remember. I, uh, who would know? I can't remember what year it was, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Anyway, yeah, so that was great. You know, the only devastating memory Glory I have days. of you, John, <laughs> is that uh, senior year, I love Purple Ground so much that I went to see every time you all had a show on campus. Could you have a show like you do a weekend of shows mm-hmm. every blank, every month, probably. Probably every month, yeah. I saw every time you had a set of shows, mm-hmm. I saw one every year, senior year. Mm-hmm. And on the last show of, this, of senior year, mm-hmm. um, you all did a thing where you're like, and you know, we really want to thank... Uh, some of the super fans who have always been there for us, and you called up three people and not me. Oh my! And I've been to every single one. Oh my those, those three fuckers. And you know what happened after wow, that? I'm As old, I formed. And he remembers. You don't the know this. And I year. formed my own stream of improv comedy called because you you are your yes and I I have no but. No, nope, you have no I have but. No but. I have, have no comma no but. but. I'm no, no but. No, no, no. It's called Iron also, Fist Improv. You have also, no you have no <laughs> but. <laughs> That's right, and I have no butt. You rule the improv stage with an iron fist. That's iron fist improv. It's called unprov. IFI. It's like the two heavyweight titles, uh, the medals, you know, the WBA or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a battle. So, yes, so it is a battle. Yeah. IFI. No butt. You know what's funny is that there's a whole bunch of improv things that are, uh, it's based on improv, but then you have... Improv Olympic and comedy sports, which take this competition aspect of it, um, you know, and I've always hated that because uh, it, it sort of feels like that. For for for, yes, I I did not form in case anybody's wondering. No, but you should have, <laughs> which would have been the title. Okay, of my I, clearly, by <laughs> stepping away from that joke, you did not do improv. I did not do improv. <laughs> And <laughs> I abandoned it. Iron you Fist Improv. You should have. You should have. I, I think like it would have been great to form Iron Fist Improv, don't you think? So like you I got to tell you that the there was there was a stage. there was a person who was who I'm not going to mention, but there was a person who was uh, in uh, the Purple Crayon at the, from the very beginning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and she was awful. And one of the things, <laughs> and she quit, uh, which was just such a relief. Uh, she quit after a few months just because right. she wanted to do something else. Right. But one of the things that she did in, in the very first, so Harold is a is a long form improvisation. It's just, uh, usually about twenty minutes, uh, maybe a half hour play that that uh, Del Close invented the structure. So it's really fun to do. Yes. And so at one point, one of the first Harolds we did, it was on vivisection. Yeah. And there was a, there's a videotape of David Barron and Phil Lamar, and they are l- l- both watching Wait, a pterodactyl. He was in Purple Crown. Who? Yeah. Dave Barron? Yes. Yep. Oh, pretty yeah. much. He's now like a big mucky muck at Hulu, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a big mucky muck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go he's on. actually still about the same height. He's five six, so I, it's hard to. He's a he's a short, ish, mucky muck. Right. So they're watching this pterodactyl together. You know, you see them like following each other's eyes from the corner of their eyes, and they're looking, and they're it's amazing, you know. And then Leslie, um, this person, just <laughs> <laughs> steps out for no reason out of the shoe. And takes a gun and shoots the pterodactyl. That's, that's no but. And then, yeah, and then walks back. And so they both like watch the pterodactyl hit the ground. <laughs> and, and then and they look ha- at They have to accept it. Yeah, they, right. they look at each other. It's just like, oh, there goes the scene we were doing. <laughs> and so there was a point where this person kept on like, she would step out first. 
She would be in the first scene, and it got to be that nobody else wanted to step out with her. Nope. And, and because, it, because she was playing Iron Fist improv. Beca- yes, she yeah. was. And at one point, and so uh, Frances uh, Barney. Yes. Oh, I love Frances. Yes, yeah, she's awesome. She went on to be uh, in the national tour of The Little Prince and then became a vice president of a bank. Oh, wow. As one does. <laughs> Smart egg. Exactly. She could sing, dance. She could do everything, and now she's a price person <laughs> of the bank. Um, and she, she would be the brave person. She, you know, she, was, she just stepped out with this other person. Right. So <laughs> that this other person was not out there alone. And at one point, she did that, and the first thing that this other person, who I said, okay, this other person yeah. said, <laughs> was she, she tied her up into a chair and cut out her tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Improv, improv. You know, for those of you who don't know, you build the scene with each other. You go, yeah. yes, and and you accept the things that are the gifts. So if you take your partner and you tie them up and cut out their tongue, they, they have to accept. Yeah, they, their they their ex- mute, yeah. non-moving. Stuff. So now, now, now you're alone in the scene, which is, I think, what she wanted. She just wanted to uh, control. She, it. She, I can't imagine why she didn't do that in every scene. There was a, a herald that, that you all of. did again. It was that senior string of shows, and the only reason I remember this, and I, I, like. All I can say is this because it was, it's too distant in memory, but it was, it, I thought, the perfect Herald. I mean, mm. and it really was. Something, it was magical, and all I remember about it is somehow earlier there had been like a, an office supply store and a stapler had been mentioned, and at the very end beat, a gigantic staple came in and stapled everybody together, which I don't mean for that to sound funny to the, to the listeners right now, but when the person came up with that and did the good chunk, yeah. it was... Such the perfect conclusion Satisfying. to the perfect thing. Right. The whole crowd just leapt up and stood up and applauded. And I knew what I'd seen this was a perfect Herald. Right, right, right. And feeling that frisson, yeah. what you all must have felt up on stage was yeah. electric. Because for the audience, it was so electric that you, you stood up and you probably were like, it doesn't get better than that. It yeah. will not get better than that. Right. It's, it's it a, perfectly it, it, done. It's, it's, especially back then, yeah. I think that the people... and it, uh, what, what, I've looked back on my life, right? Yeah. And, and I realized that what I found there with you in the dramat and yeah. with the Purple Crayon was a family. Yep. yep. And I wanted that to keep going. And that's re- the reason why I went into theater. I moved to Seattle mm-hmm. and I was shocked when, you know, Adam Gross wanted to go to law school and, and Eric Berg. It was like, what? Wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> right. We have something. <laughs> what? You want to live your life for yourself? You want to your make plans? money? You want to what? What? Wait a minute. We have a thing. We got to keep the band together. <laughs> it really was like the the bass player of, of like some some bad indie rock band. And I was just like, yeah, no, we're gonna go to Seattle and start a theater. Everyone's gonna come out. And Paul came out. You didn't. Oh, that's right. That's to Seattle. That's right. Yeah. Wait, Paul, Paul Giamatti did? came oh. out to Seattle. But keep in mind, I, I, you had gone out to Seattle three years before I graduated at that point. So he came up because of you then? Yeah. Because he was at Yale Drama um, grad school. Well, you, all, you all worked he at went Annex back. Theater. Yeah. He went back to go to Yale Drama. He oh. came out to Seattle at, at Annex Theater and was oh. there for three or four years. It wasn't just me. His girlfriend at the time was from there, I and see, she see. was a fantastic actor. So they both came out, along with Jim Chestnut. Mm-hmm. Great and, actor. Uh, Jim Chestnut, there. Hotspur, yeah, in, in Henry IV, Part One. Yeah. Um, so, Dan, why didn't you pursue acting? Um, uh, a couple reasons, but of course, hindsight makes it easier to articulate the reasons sure. when you're in it. I, here's what I remember if I want to put myself back in senior year Yale. And make, your, make uh, yourself smarter and handsomer. Hard to do. I know. Um, yeah. I remember this. I remember being very, very tired of theater. I was very burnt out on theater, having done it so much for four years, and was not 
inclined to jump somewhere to do theater. Um, and I'd always loved movies. Keep in mind, TV at that point was such a different beast. And I will say, I think, but for the most part, a lesser aesthetic form than movies. So logically, at you would that think that I'm going to go to Hollywood and become a movie actor. Well, that's you would think that. But here was my thought process then is I... Uh, well, I guess it's a little convoluted, but I'll try to make it very simple because it, it just, I was t- sick to death of theater. I thought that I was nervous about my acting being too big for the camera and wasn't sure that I was game for like, I'm going to go out there and try to be an actor for five years. I just wasn't quite game for that. Couldn't get my head around it. Did not feel, even though I had directed some theater, that I understood anything about the camera. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I could But I said, I just, pro- I did one of the things was in doing the theater company was producing theater for yeah. four years. So why don't I get an MFA in film producing? Mm-hmm. It'll get my feet wet. I'll come to understand the industry. I'll have an MFA if I mm-hmm. ever need it or want it. And, you know, while I'm producing, I'll learn about acting and directing and then we'll go into one of those. 32 years later, I'm a producer still. And you, you went to USC, USC Peter, Stark, Peter Stark program. Which is say you, you basically got an MFA in business, which my, my wife did that too. I always thought that was very funny. Well, she, she did oh. it at a better time. Uh, our, our program, lovely people, but was in a transition year in uh-huh. the others. And Larry Terman, who has been the head of the program since and turned yeah. it into a blockbuster program, yeah. his first year was my last year. Uh-huh. So he was just getting his feet wet, didn't know what was going on, even admitted it. You know, yeah. He and I would talk and he'd say, like, like I'm just learning this year. Right. So I would say the program was was not terrific while I was there, but it did get me a job. Yeah. And that that first job I got out of it was that's a, getting your first job is you know yeah, yeah, very yeah. very hard as an assistant. In yeah, but it got me studio. the next job, no, and, then, no, it, and then it taught I'm, me that I didn't want to do that, and I quit and worked with Jason Bloom and made that movie Irving that got us the bio mm-hmm. bio. I mean, so mm-hmm. things happen and they happen because of a path that that it set me out. But the program became great, and I think. Shelley was a part of some of the great years. And so oh, yeah. for yeah. those who might not know, Dan is, are you an executive producer on uh, Isambi? Uh I am, yes. <laughs> the, that, um, that is, I mean, I'm the, you know, I'm, I, I am essentially partnered with Rob Thomas, who I've been working with since Veronica Mars. He and I co-created a show with John Enbaum and Paul Roy called Party Down. And now we've been doing the show called iZombie that is in its fifth We'll start shooting its fifth and final season next week. And that's why we haven't seen much of Dan because he spent the past four years in... or f- Truthfully, it's been seven because I was in years. New York for two years on Carrie Diaries, which although we would we would talk a bit more frequently right, right, on right. the show, but then I've been up in Vancouver for the last four and soon to be five years Vancouver, on, on Canada. Dan Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, Canada. Yes, not Vancouver. We shoot in Vancouver, Canada. Washington, Vancouver, actually. Dan Dan you, you, but what yeah. the point is is that you're yeah. part of the problem. I. The tax system. Look, it's it. The studio can spend one million dollars and shoot it in L.A. or seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and shoot it in Canada. Mm. That's a, for them. That's not even like a choice. Mm. Uh, now that's other studios that for are a whole more season. Seven hundred. Yeah, that's 000. it. The whole season comes in for seven hundred. That's amazing. Yeah, You're exactly. a great producer. I well, remember. I remember reading uh, the original Battlestar Galactica had an episode uh, budget of one. Million dollars, million episode, because and that was amazing amount of money because of all the special effects that they reused. It's that's astonishing, and it was shot in Vancouver, which means not no not the not the new one. Oh, you're talking about the one in the seventies, the original one. Oh, right, and that that the seventies that would have been that was because if you go back and watch hour long seventies TV, yeah, it is the worst 
yeah, crappiest, yeah. even the shows that had big stars like Rock Hudson and McMillan and Wife, yeah. they will just have him sit in a chair opposite a desk and in, in like clearly like one lighting cell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And have them talk for like eight minutes well, of, that, the f- of the 45. That's the thing is that, is yes. that back then when they created the, the schedule of let's make an episode every what, eight, eight days, days. Yep. They, they were working nine to five because yes. they, they, they did day for night. Yep. It, everything was just like uh, put up a bunch of flat lights and and we're just going to mostly sit around yep. and we'll use some stock footage of, for, for our car chase. And they have endless, like endless shoe leather. It may not be Rock Hudson walking down the street, but it's his car driving and it will drive for like 45 seconds, right. which is an eternity right. in television going to a place. And right. you're like, he just went to, there's no plot. And clearly, like, sometimes they said to those guys, okay, you, you will shoot two days out of the eight days, and the remaining time we will shoot. A re-. So they'd, they'd sit him in a chair, so I think they could shoot the, the master and maybe his close-up, and then they'd fill in the rest right. later on. I mean, I mean, and now you have these people uh, who are working on yeah. TV shows since, since uh, Miami Vice and X-Files, right? Yes. The production value just skyrocketed. It became cin- cinematic. Yeah, it yeah. became, yeah. you're I mean, making movies, but you have the same schedule. Yeah. So you yes yeah. you went from working like seven or eight or nine hours uh, if you were you know really big day yes to uh, typically you know everybody's 12, 13, there 14, 15 sixteen fourteen fifteen hours and the way they do it now is they this is not necessarily cable but the the network thing which still holds true in cables it's still a basically an eight day model yeah and you this is not holding so much true for cable anymore but in network it's still an eight day model but the way you get more days it's not by adding more days you have more units. Yeah. So it might be eight days, but right. you've got three units right, shooting. Right. Yeah. But you still keep to the eight days. So they can always say, well, it's eight days an episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, eight days an episode, but you've got three units shooting. Right, right. And you might lose a unit because they, yeah. for the previous episode, they need to catch up on something. This is going to be before but, some of but, our viewers' time. Yeah. Is, is, is the old Fred, Fred Mc, this way, Fred before our time. Fred McMurray and My Three Sons. He was yeah, kind yeah. of a star at the time. Oh. And in My Three Sons, they I was had actually going to bring that up. Oh, you were? Oh, yeah. And he sits, in, he sits in his comfortable chair in My Three Sons for many of the episodes as yeah. he talks yeah, to yeah. kids. So the deal with Fred McMurray is he'd come in for like a day really? and sit in the chair. They wouldn't shoot just that episode. They'd shoot like Dialogue. all the episodes well, of him sitting, you know, for like three episodes. I don't know if that was every chair. year, but yeah. I know that when they he shot Double Indemnity, I think it was Double Indemnity. That's he was doing a movie and so he shot his entire season before that and then they shot the rest of the of season. Of My Three Sons? And yeah. it would all be written so his character could sit in the chair and yeah. deliver the yeah. dialogue. And so they, just they the would have thing. all the reverses on the kids, on the sons, like, it's you know, amazing. shot yeah. like <laughs> months <laughs> later. And that's, you got to add that into the whole thing, uh, which has always been, I mean, this is, this is you know, an uh, older kind of thing. But Fred McMurray is one of those people, I'm like, why, why, was, why was he in everything? A movie star? Yeah, yeah, why was he a movie star? Yeah. Well, but he put, you're thinking of him as a movie star here. Think of him as like a, a Chris Cooper or, you know what I mean? Like well, like a darn good character well, actor. But then like why yeah, was Elliot Chris Gould? Chris Cooper is kind of amazing and, <laughs> but and Fred wh- McMurray is kind of not. Well, in the point. 50s. But, <laughs> and he but, was the star yeah, of Follow yeah, Me Boys. I mean, it, nobody was any good. Like look at Marlon Brando. He was <laughs> right, terrible. terrible. So, he like why, why was Elliot yeah. Gould the number one box office star oh in the 70s? God. You know, Isn't that, that is amazing. Yeah. Think about that. Quite yeah. a trajectory. Yeah. A lot of cocaine, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so oh yeah Game of Thrones 10 million dollars an episode for season 6 yeah wow that's crazy yeah, well they have to you know build those dragons and you know the how truth much is that, that sounds low I mean I think they do such a great job and it's such a production value it, that even sounds low to me I would have thought well the way they save money I think is that is that all those guys who are uh, you know white guys with with uh, 
five day beards. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're all the same person. So oh, right, 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 right. It's just, it's uh, just. That's uh, actually why I can't watch the show because I can't, I can't tell them apart. I feel that way about <laughs> all white people. Sure. That's that's racist. <laughs> it is racist. Yeah, yeah no, but true. I think that they can reuse a lot of elements from the the CG stuff. You know. Like, uh, you know, how would they do it? It's a bit of a miracle. But I guess a lot of it is going to the right location because you, so you sort of strip back the sets. I was like, you go to the right amazing, extraordinary geographic location and yeah. you've just done a hell of a lot of production design work for yourself right, right. right so, there. And so they do a good job of that. On top of that, on top of Great. being the middling, that's your words, not mine, uh, yes. producer. No, but no not are, middling. I clawed my way to the middle. That's not middling. Oh, middling right. is mediocre. He's excellent. Oh, right, I, right. I'm a great... Executive middle producer, class executive producer, right. in order, in order slash to be, sometimes director. In order to be right. well, Claw's way to the middle, he had to be extraordinary. So he, you did make it as a director. So how many episodes of Isnby have you directed? Um, I have directed. I think I'm about to direct the first one. We fell into a nice pattern. I think I've directed five. Of I direct the 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 premiere, the the first one of the season and the last one of the season. And it's because I am in L.A. in the writers' room uh, for each season, and so we felt like why not. Why not just take all the knowledge I have accrued by being part of that brainstorming process and go up there and direct the first one instead of trying to hand off that knowledge? Wouldn't that. it be nice if you could just eat someone's brains to get that knowledge? Wouldn't I, <laughs> but then you, I'd get their characteristics. Too. And you directed one Veronica Mars. That's right, and that was a that was a battle that Rob fought on my behalf and finally won year three as the president, then president of the CW, Don Ostroff, did not want. Didn't think I was experienced but enough you to direct. But you were, and, um, you knew her well, though, right? I didn't know. No. no, I'd never met Dawn. Oh. Uh, you know, and she, Rob, really fought hard and did get. And then, and then Paul Rudd was kind enough to come aboard and be a, a guest star in the episode, which made ah, it super fun. That'll that very probably fun. helped. Very um, very fun. He played kind of a with nail and I kind of wastrel character, which we a movie we'd long admired from the eighties, and right. so it was sort of fun to do. Uh, yeah, you've, according to. IMDb, you've directed five episodes of Isambi. That sounds right. Going to direct uh, uh, probably my sixth and seventh this, uh, this final season. season. And is it hard to direct and produce? Just uh, deal with the producer on set. Well, let's say this: uh, it 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 would be harder on a sh- like. And this is to a lot of other people's credits. I am not tooting my own horn here, but the cast and crew of the show are so fantastic. I mean, to a, to a person. And the machine of the show is runs so well, and that starts with Rob and our line producer Scott Graham and lots of folks. So that it makes it very easy to take off the producer hat to a vast degree mm-hmm. because the show's running well uh, and, the, and pe- people know what they're doing. Um, and so it makes a bit of a pleasure you can focus on sort of trying to get nine pages shot a day and that sort of thing, right? Um, which, is, which is tough enough. And do you want to be directing other things? Well, I think that uh, I found a great place with Rob, which is that I, I really enjoy directing his material and he really likes me directing his material. So I think we hope to keep progressing that that's what I. That's what I would enjoy doing is for he and I to launch more shows and for me to uh, be a part of directing and producing. How many unions are you in? Everyone except the IA. Just drive a truck, or isn't that? Or well, rig I, some lights. That would be Teamster. Re- rig some lights. Yeah, and uh, what is the IA? Yeah, uh, IATSE. Oh, yeah. Come on, John. Oh, yeah. I used to be a member. Really? By, by by dint of production stuff. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess that's actually not true. I'm not a teamster either. I, you know, WGA, PGA, DGA, and SAG. Wow, you must get lots of screeners. I, yeah, I actually turned off the screener selection this year because there were too many screeners. Really? Too many screeners. Oh. The God, life's <laughs> tough, isn't it? Still, uh, still vote, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see a movie this entire year, but voted. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, did, you, did you vote for Trump? Uh, I, it's a secret ballot, John, and no, we are sorry. not required to disclose okay. to everybody who we voted for. Well. John, how how about 
uh, how have you been since last week? I don't belong. I now I belong to SAG now. You do. Is that what the question was? Yeah. Well, I have never been a member of the Communist Party. But that's not a union. This is this is the, uh, just. I mean, that's what it feels like in front of these mics. Oh yeah. <laughs> you need to whisper to Dan whether you can say answer the questions. Okay, the, they just did a great visual gag that is not very great on radio. Uh, Wait, is this radio? So, are you? Uh, have, when was the last time you did some acting? Oh, uh, mm, uh, I don't know. It's been a while. Oh, uh, well, I, I'm actually d- d- uh, taking a stand-up class. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start doing stand-up. Jesus I, Christ. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm yeah, I've gotten a lot of uh, encouraging people say that I'm funny. So then I took the stand-up class and realized that it was accidental. And so I'm going to try and figure out... Uh, Be what purposeful? Purposefully funny. See oh. if I can do that. Uh, yeah. So that's Is it I'm fun? I'm doing... Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a lot, uh, a lot in a very short time mm-hmm. um, about... Because uh, I never really thought about punchlines before. Right. You know, I, I think about... Build up? And build up and set up. And, like, I have a really good monologue. And uh, I was realizing in the class, I'm like, okay, here's the monologue. And there are, are no punchlines, but it's some funny ideas. So, you know. And, and you would say, like, with it's it, it talk very broad strokes. Mm-hmm. While improv certainly is funny, it's not about punchlines. Right. Often. It can be as long as it's in the vein of a yes well, and. Well, yeah. And, it's and that's the thing is that oftentimes... And, you know, the the woman who's teaching this class pointed out, she's so, she says, you know, sometimes... A woman? Yeah, I know, but, but she's a difficult woman. Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, but there's a... Uh, there's a um, she says there are things, you know, you, you come up with jokes, and sometimes the things you think are going to kill, yeah. inevitably, nobody gets at all. Right, right, right. And then the things... She says she tells jokes on stage that people always laugh at, and she has no idea why. That's amazing. Yeah, and so... That's an interesting journey that I'd not thought about. I like I was sort of figured like you'd write something and you'd sort of have a feel like this is going to be great and maybe it needs some fine tuning to get the language to get it to be great, right, but, right. It, but not just like that's a total miss. No yeah. one is. I'm not getting anybody there. But then something else is. Well, it's it's, a, it's, it's funny because it's 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 our our point of view, right? Right, and so you say like uh, that's why a lot of times I I was uh, I, I just. The other day, I said something. I was just being completely honest, right? Uh, and everybody just, everybody just l- l- <laughs> fell apart laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing, and I w- didn't mean to be funny. Did Did you give kind of like a, a kind of a knowing smile, as sort of playing it off like I I did mean for that to be funny. I'm glad you're appreciating, it, but you didn't go overboard. You just, no, no, you I just said wanna... I was being serious, oh, and, and everybody laughed oh. more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I thought you flipped it on its head. Hey, Marty, do, is the air conditioning on? I am. It's hot as balls in here. Okay, who's uh, we? Who's, who's balls <laughs> is the question, and that brings us to the to the segments of the show called "Who's Balls." Who's balls? Who's balls? We um we all worked on something together called uh, well instant films, mm. but before it was fast and loose. Fast and loose video. Mm. That's what we oh, did. Oh yeah. So nice. fast and loose. Uh, do you want to explain what fast and loose is? Okay, so fast and loose is uh, it, it, we we kind of stole it from uh, Seattle and they stole it from New York and basically uh, we called it fast and loose at, at Sacred Fools and they call it twenty four uh, fourteen forty eight up in uh, Seattle and it's basically a, a, a writer gets a uh, a topic on uh, the night before and then they write a play for a group of actors who they don't know and then the the Actors and the director are pulled out of a hat, and then they work all day to uh, 
put the play on its feet, mm-hmm. and then they produce it that night. And so we, uh, Charles Pappert and uh, and Peter LeBeau and I took that idea, and uh, well, I, first we did it at, at Sacred Fools as video fast and loose, right? And so we got the, um, you got the. And this is before idea. video was so like you couldn't shoot this on your iPhone. There were no iPhones, right? Well, yeah. the, the, so the, the, pre iPhone, yeah. The, the the first idea. This is this is uh, almost fifteen twenty years. It, well, right. no, the first time we did it as instant films. Yogi, my son, was uh, just born, so that was uh, almost sixteen years ago. Okay, yeah. So we did the the one you guys are talking about, which was amazing. You guys did an we'll, we'll, amazing we'll, we'll film. Get to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea is the the writer gets like a top, like a noun and a verb. A random out of a, out of a hat noun and the verb like like uh, uh, purple earthworm and then they go home and they they have two men one woman that's all they know and they they have rules that you can't use um, physical characteristics as a plot point because you don't know what people look like so you can't right. say this is a movie about uh, the black hottest guy, lady the, yeah. guess yeah. who's coming to dinner or, or the right. yeah the hottest lady or or she's he's overweight or whatever it has to not involve that and you also can't use uh, the rule that we put in you can't use privately owned public locations, which basically excludes restaurants and all these kinds of places. Right. Because in Los Angeles, you can't get those locations. Right, because you need permits and yeah. all this. I mean, well, you need permission. Right. And any anybody's going to say, oh, well, $10,000. If I if you're back in New Hampshire, where I'm from, and you said, I'm making a movie, right. people would go, please, come to my house. <laughs> now, <laughs> blow and, up my home. <laughs> and in general, how many pages do you tell them to make <laughs> oh, the films? You go for like 10 minutes. So you like nine pages, 12 pages, 15 pages, like that. So you're, you're making a short film with two or three people in it. And then the, the director pulls it out of a hat the next day. That's and right. pulls the cast out of a hat. Mm-hmm. And then they go and they have... Basically, Saturday to shoot it and Sunday uh, during the day to do the post. And then you you show it Sunday night. Now, it's different from there's other 48 hour films. Right. Right. And they make they they certify that they shot it and did the whole thing in the weekend. And then they hand it in and then they show it like on Thursday, the ones that are best. But we used to just show all we have. We curate the people that did it and then we show all eight. Uh, films, and no matter what, we didn't see them beforehand. Right. Well, no, I mean they they would be running in, running in with the hot out of the presses, the, the CD-ROM printer, or whatever. So, uh, what's the biggest crew that some somebody had? In a well, uh, well, actually, uh, there was a guy uh, who used to be married to um, oh, uh, McCarthy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, John. John yeah, uh, John Asher. Uh huh. John Asher had a cube truck. Uh huh. And we went over to his house when he was shooting, and he was living with his, his now ex-wife, who <laughs> I can't remember her name. It's Melissa Je- McCarthy's cousin, Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, right. no. She isn't. No, uh, they are. Is that true? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're related. I know Melissa. I didn't even know that. Well, why, why would you? Do you know who <laughs> my cousin? Is? <laughs> yeah, Freddie Sylvain. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I'm <laughs> Catholic. I'm sure I'm better for Freddie. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that was pr- kind of the biggest. And this one of the smallest, you know, was, you know, uh, we've had people do it themselves. Oh, yeah, that was me. So Were you, did you direct that? that uh, so where, the where one Dan that ran I, around like. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so every that one, you, I think every you said like. Two to three or three to five pages is what you told people to I do. Think, I think we was, it was supposed to be eight to nine pages, but, but no, no, but no. twenty-five. It was like insane. Yeah, Marty it was handled it. So an it was written by Scott Stein, who's now a tech writer at CNET, and uh, right. 
who's a really nice guy, but he he handed in a 17-page script. Post-apocalyptic with like, Odyssey. Odyssey with like seven, eight locations. Yes. Like, this is, and this is this is the very, very first very one. Very first so the, one. The, kind of the feel of like and parameters. I, before, before you go on, I have to say for that very first one, the, the uh, requirements for directing was you had to have access to editing equipment and a camera and sound. And I don't even know if we asked about sound. Oh, you didn't because no. if you see the movie, this sound is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so this is set about 17 years ago. And the funny thing is, is that uh, now everybody has all of that, all like, of that in their, in their phone. phone right. right. Yeah. And so That's I crazy. borrowed my sister's fancy camera. Didn't know how, didn't bother to learn how to use it beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Got Phil Klemmer, who's now the showrunner on uh, Legends, Legends, of, Legends Tomorrow. of Tomorrow on the CW. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on the same night? Uh, it depends on when they bounce us around to. Uh, but he, uh, he was shot it, and we didn't realize that you can turn the autofocus off. So the uh, focus just goes in and out and in and out, whatever. <laughs> it's it's breathing. That. It's yeah. magical. And then we didn't have a, a microphone, uh, like a boom mic or anything like that. So we were just using production sound. But we were, because of all the seven locations, and Dan played the lead, um, we... Uh, we recorded the dialogue in Ahmed Best's car. So Ahmed Best, who's known as Jar Jar Binks, he was also in it. Yep. And he's and, a lovely, lovely talented Yeah, fellow. and so we were, we were like in his uh, Nissan SUV just sweating because <laughs> we couldn't have on the, the AC because we can't record the sound. And then... And we shot on La Brea, where that old Texaco, now Starbucks is. We shot downtown. We shot in Griffith Park. Yeah, and then we shot at a magazine stand. And we said, I said, can you mind if we shoot here? Sounds like we violated a rule there now in retrospect. He said, uh, as long as you don't. No, you didn't violate it. It's the writer was not supposed to. Oh, right, right. To put us in that situation. We shouldn't have to film at a newsstand, but we did. Yeah. And and my whole thing is I wanted to shoot exactly what the writer. Every time I directed, I shot what the writer did. And there have been cases where the, the writers have been really upset because the directors have rewritten stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so if I ever I change something, I always call the writer, you know, because I... You don't but want I them think the curses of this festival shouldn't be Welcome to Hollywood. I, I think that... I don't think you all encourage people to do that. I think the encouragement was... The challenge was to try to shoot the script. I mean, maybe make it better in some ways, but... Or am I wrong? Or no, you're you totally like, right. Like, they it shouldn't just go like, well, I know here's a script, but fuck that. We're going to shoot something no, different. No, no, no. The, the thing is, and I told the directors, is I said, you don't have time to rewrite this. Yeah, yeah. You need to accept what you got and make the best of it. And I, I always make a big deal out of that because, not because I thought that the writers deserved some kind of, you know, coddling relationship, but for a couple of reasons. One, almost every time the director acted like a Hollywood director and tossed out the script. It was a disaster. <laughs> um, it was bad. Right. Because we had, the thing is, we had uh, the writers, not not necessarily, you know, well, Scott did it. Scott's a great writer. He's yeah. a really good writer. Yeah. Um, we had great writers. I mean, yeah. we, had, we yep. had, James Gunn wrote for us several times. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, and we had, we had you know, uh, Gail Lerner wrote, wrote a bunch, and she's, she's on, uh, she was on Will and Grace at the time. Greg Malins, who ran... Um, oh, yeah. He's a big uh, name in television. Yeah, he ran... Friends, right? No, yeah, he was on Friends, and then he, he ran How I Met Your Mother. Oh. You know, anyway, we yeah. the writers yeah. knew what the fuck they were doing. Can I say fuck? I, I think I just did. Yeah. Um, yes. So, so that's one reason. But the other reason is, when, what happens is, you get the script, and yeah. you pick it out of the hat, and you get the script, and you get your cast, and you have copies of the, of the cast, you know, so the cast reads the script. 
and and that's the other the other the other reason why you shouldn't change it is because right. when a writer when a when a, a actor reads a script they go uh, I can I can see I'm internalizing this as I read it I can see how I can make this work I'm I'm inclined to fall in love with this and and when a that's ho- so smartly said and that's when so a, smartly when a theater said. director yeah. reads a script yeah. A theater director goes, all right, how can I make this work? But here's right, the sacred right, right, text. Right, right. Yeah, how right. do I, it's, it's right. And how Holly- do I bring it to life? Yeah, and then yes. a Hollywood director is like, this is a... T- and as like, an actor, is- I'm just like, how many lines do I get? Well, <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that then you turn, if you're, if you're a director and you say, I have a preconceived idea, like, for instance, a, 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 a mutual friend of ours said, I have some I special that. effects that I am going to use no matter what I get. That's right. I brought this tools <laughs> to the party yeah. and no matter what... Yes. So and I'm going yes, to. That was inappropriate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some, somebody had a location in a subway that they or they yeah. had access to a subway, yeah. so they took the entire script and just put it just in a subway. Jammed it in a subway. I remember there were a few people like that who were like they had pre-gotten a location. One person said they pre-got this great location because they figured they could pretty much set anything in there and got a script that was utterly non-settable. And to their credit, they shot it. Elsewhere, yeah. but they were so upset because I can't remember what it was. But like, I have this place that could pretty much set ninety nine percent of all scripts right. in, and he got the one percent right. story that didn't work. But they did the right we, thing. We had one guy who who said, "I'm I'm gonna I have a whole team of people that are going to turn whatever I get into a musical." <laughs> so, but what happens is oh, is that you move. I yeah, mean, and the thing is is that as a is it in in normal situations you're the director. You in in Hollywood, you kind of have all the power, right, right? Right. But in this situation, the the actors read the script the same time you did, yeah. And and the actors are basically and they're saying, I liked what he the guy wrote. Yes. What What do you mean? We and I was investing in it. I I have invested yes. in it. Right. Right. And yeah. the the director didn't pick those actors. They right. were they were randomly assigned. And and, and one of the reasons that's that, disrespectful to them. Right. And one of the reasons that you know we we made over like about three hundred. Uh, movies and the quality is uh, is actually sort of higher than the normal output of of Hollywood, and 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 it's certainly <laughs> better than if you go to like short festivals. Yeah, it's actually better. I mean, there are some amazing, really ones. good ones. And but part of the reason is is everybody's on their best behavior because they don't know anybody. Yeah, and they don't. You don't have people feeding into. I know you can do this, so let's just go and do this. You're who, good at this one thing, which is what, you know, anyway. Who wrote so the silent one that your wife was in? That was Gail. Oh. No, the one that she directed? The, yeah. Or, the the or foreign she, film? The foreign film. Yeah, she directed Gail it. Lerner. And she actually wrote out the whole, all, all the words. That was amazing. <laughs> that was my one of my favorites of all time. That I, was I, great. I got to do one that I really enjoyed being in, and I didn't know anybody in it. Often for whatever great reason, I'd like it'd be Marty or it'd be um, Bruno or just there'd yeah, be somebody yeah. you know. And this one, nobody I knew was in it, uh, and I got to play both a woman, which was interesting. I'd never done that before, and I got to play like sort of a drunken evil well, not Santa on Claus. Film. Not on film, correct? I stand corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was directed by Max Bornstein, who's gone on yeah. to you know do uh, great work and all that, and produced by a producer named Mitch Waxman. Both great guys. Law and Order. Uh, Joe Hernandez was in it. Joe Hernandez Kolsky, great actor. So it was forty dollars where you go from I don't know these people to like yeah. really intensely knowing yeah, them. And we had a really good time. It was Law and Order it. Christmas special. That's right. It was like Law and Order Christmas special yeah. was kind of the thing. It's it's on <laughs> secretly on YouTube somewhere, um, and. Uh, so it's great, and we've all kept up since then. And yeah, it kind yeah. of both was a fun, and I think a, a like a well-received uh, short. And oh, that's right. you were Santa. That's right. Yes, uh, but shooting around town, like f- trying to figure out seven locations, 
and just just jamming into yes. my old like Volvo and just like figuring out tracking shots, just shooting out of the the uh, sunroof of the car. Yeah. Do you remember that? And then it was just so much fun. Yeah, it was just exhilarating. Yeah, and then yeah. just cutting all night, and then having your computer crash, and then trying to rebuild everything. Mm-hmm. And then literally coming in in the middle of the show to deliver it to yeah, you. Yeah, I believe that's what you did. Yes, and it was so much fun. And every time I watch it, I, I it, the sound bothers me so much because the sound is terrible. But I love it. I love it. And the, I don't understand the movie at all. Mm-hmm. But wait, but was that the one that ended with me burying myself in dirt? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, you were in. A, <laughs> I did do that. You did I, bury like, yourself. I in did dirt. bury myself in the ground. Yeah, in it's dirt. A, that's on YouTube. And we almost suffocated. Oh well, that was yeah, that was my fault. Your fault. That's right, and then the running down the street where I was just running, chasing the camera in a truck, and actually no, did not that. a truck. It was out of it, out the, the, the out back of the, Volvo. Of the Volvo. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty fun stuff. And man. then uh, Ahmed did the sock puppet, That's and, right. and That's had, right. to, had to make him do a funny voice too again. <laughs> <laughs> Unhappily for Ahmed. Oh, he was the best. He's, no, he's he, a great fellow. Yeah, such a game guy. Uh, so what happened to it? Instant films. Well, um, uh, we we were trying to sort of turn it into some kind of. Um, company um but we the the seeds of it's um not working out um <laughs> as a company sort of started at the beginning uh-huh uh, because we we uh, we didn't really so, so so here's some advice um if you want to start a company don't start it with three people and give them each 33 percent and if you do make sure those three people uh, at least can tolerate each other. Yeah, that seems like good advice. Yeah, so oh, sound business I practice. See. Yeah, yeah, and so and and because and so so basically, uh, one of the partners was really invested in in the company and had the ability to work all the time on it. But the the goal was okay. We have to make enough money so that all three of us um, uh, can work on this. Right. Um, so he was trying, and and there was no uh, agreement on anything. Right. So after after a few years, that sounds like a bloodbath. Yeah, after a few years, we uh, sold out to to the partner who was more invested in it, and then we kept on doing it. Um, I ca- I just said, okay, as soon as that deal was done, I sold it out, and then I said, okay, now I will work on the festivals, which I like, right, as a volunteer, and you, c- I will no longer have to uh, have conversations in which I disagree with everything you say. <laughs> <laughs> you get to call, make all the calls, and then I'll just do my thing, and I'll right. be the talent wrangler and the host. And that's what I did. And yeah. so we did like another five uh, festivals after and that. And this was way before time. I mean, there's I think there's a quite a few of these things now, but this was the only one in L.A. I think at the time. Well, I we think. were um, we th- we did the one at Sacred Fools first. That right. was the very first one. Right. And then we started Instant Film. So that was Fast and Loose Video, right. and that was before Forty Eight Hours. Right. That was that yep. predated Forty Eight Hours by a few months. Gotcha. And then uh, and then suck you know, it, Forty Eight Hours. Yeah. But the thing is that that we were always funny because our goal with Instant Films and our obsession was we're going to have the live show be fantastic. That was what our goal was. 48-hour films, their goal is to have a sustainable business. So they charge people money uh, to get into it, right? And then they only show a few of the really good ones. So you can have like... So actually that breeds a lot of competitiveness, which could be good in some ways, but I preferred the... 
I preferred the vibe of y'all's setup. Yeah, I did yeah. too. I mean, it was so much fun. Like, yeah, yeah that's really why I yeah. wasn't doing it. I mean, yes, the residual effect of creating a product that could be interesting or meeting people, but just the idea of like a cre- creative energy for a weekend, just yeah. pure creative energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Which that's, I mean, the wonderful thing is, is that, there, if you didn't get the movie done, and we we had like uh, we did it twenty eight times, and we made over three hundred. Twenty eight. Yeah, wow. I think it was maybe might have been twenty seven. Um, we made a bunch of them. We did it a bunch of times, and and we only had like three films or, or two <laughs> films not show up at all. Mm-hmm. So the but the point is is that no matter how hard it was, no matter what you were stuck with, no matter you 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 powered through, and you knew you were going to be done on on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, and then. Uh, chan- if you were smart, you didn't have anything to do on Monday, so you just slept. And yeah. I mean, it was really the directors yep. who were up for the entire time. Right, yes, because right. I remember we, I was certainly up, we got it like Friday, you got the script Saturday morning, I think. Saturday morning Saturday, at right. 9. So oh. a, I was up for about 30 hours because yeah. we shot all through the night and through to the next morning. Yeah. But there comes a certain point where a, a wise director says, we just have to stop shooting because I now need to edit because it plays right. tonight. Right. And then the actors did get to go home and sleep during yeah. the day. Right. Most of the time. Right. Came. But boy, the directors, they were from the moment they got the script until then, they were, they were usually up about the yeah. full 48. Yeah. yeah. Towards the end, like uh, people had editing teams and composers yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. But they was still, there was still, uh, I was, I didn't know many directors who went to sleep on s- Sunday, maybe they got a cat nap or something. Well, yeah. most of them are like fueled by adrenaline. Totally, it's, yeah. 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 Uh, that's so, but it hasn't happened for a long time, right? No, I'll probably do something similar, you know, sometime soon. All right, I, I, yeah, because it's really I love that kind of intent. Lo- it's mm-hmm. improv. You know, I love fast and loose in theater, and I love this because of that. I yeah. love that kind of like intense throw people together and create a creative community instantaneously because you have to mm-hmm. right. and then see what yep. happens yep. it's really fun and that's what, it's interesting because i think it will be it will be different but with iPhones and the fact that equipment is so easy it's yeah. so easy to do and shoot but i think because of the time frame it's still you could still have that same essence of community that quickly comes together you know, what I would hope is that it doesn't become, because people have iPhones, now they feel like they can go shoot at LAX or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. where they feel like the, because part, part of the fun was, in some ways, like, you, you aren't trying to make the biggest canvassed thing that anybody saw. You were just trying to make a really good short. And so yeah. that would be a hope that somehow this doesn't, allow people to go like okay well now my, my net, everything has to be bigger 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 you know well, that's I mean? w- that's exactly what happened that's the funny yeah, thing oh, is that, that would happen yeah, yeah. Uh, we we actually it, it, people got more and more um ambitious right but, which is i think something that technology empowers you to do you well know? it wasn't just that it was also that we had this sort of community of people uh-huh. that knew what was possible so they wouldn't compare themselves to their even their their last film, right. although they were doing that. But they would compare themselves to you know the one that you mentioned, right? Or or Crazy Love, which was which actually went on to win awards at festivals. It was that was the one. Uh, Bill Sawyer's was in it, and he oh, he's so he funny. was obsessive compulsive. Um, oh, that's he, right. He had to de- do things, or else things would the color red would go away. Right, and right. It turned out that that was true. Right. And it was. Uh, I remember that. That yeah. was terrific. It was directed by the guy who played one of the band guys in the Gilmore Girls, whose name John Cabrera, uh-huh. and he actually never directed again. Um, he, we asked him to, but he never, never would. And part of the reason was he couldn't top that. Oh right. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that so we we near near the end we said okay, people are staying up 
too late and people we're starting to get people not showing up with the films at when we start the show people were thinking okay the deadline is 5 p.m but i know if i get there at 8 p.m that That's they'll accept right. it right. and so if you're aiming on in post-production for 8 p.m you're not going to be done till 11 p.m <laughs> so we we shortened the scripts at one point and it's people were still up all night right because right. they just said okay the directors were like okay I only have five pages or four pages to shoot, so I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna you know use a dolly here because and I'm gonna use a train shot. And isn't that funny how that is a microcosm of yeah. like I mean like on TV like you could have two pages, four pages, nine yeah. pages. I mean for the it'll expand or contract. Yeah. It'll still if you're being ambitious and you want that it, it'll take all the time you've got. Yeah, and more. Yeah. Wait, what was it called again? Crazy, crazy love. Um, I think. Yeah, Crazy I, Love. I really no. do remember that. I don't remember the full experience. She's crazy I Love. It was Sorry, I'm not on the mic. Short. No. Um, <laughs> I love that. This happens every time. I will do, make a motion to somebody, and they'll be like, why are you motioning at me? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm Why, why are you waving to me already? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Is that, is that you trying to wave cool air over onto I, me? I'm, it's the, sweltering the in the here. The AC is on. Did you turn it on from your phone? Yeah. It's a smart house. It's a, yeah. Actually, it is on. It is a little cooler in here. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, what is Bill's last name again? Bill Sawyer's. Sawyer's. He's the voice of the raccoon on the regular show. I don't know what the regular show is. I don't know what a raccoon is. Kay. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, here we yeah. go. Are softballs? I'm going to dip into the mail sack. Mail sack, mail sack. Come on, get my hands in that mail sack. Mail sack, mail sack, mail sack. Uh, yeah, that was great. Males hack. That was. Uh, did Tyson create that song? Yes, he did. Thanks, Ty- one of our one of the just great guys out there, Tyson, who who listens to the podcast. He created the male sack song out of some riffing that we were doing about male sack. You, you were doing male sack, and he created that beautiful uh, theme song. It's fantastic. It is it's one of my favorite great. songs. Ever. Thank you very much. I thought you would like it. Um, let's see here. Me pop booted it to mail sack. Shit. Okay. Uh, we have one here. <laughs> we from have no mail. No, no, no. And the, that was that was all the time we have for mail sack. Oh, you know, I I have to say I was listening to I, my favorite. Uh, and it is M A L E. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's M A L E S A C. That's that's. I don't think people understand. That's what mail sack is. In which we do read M A I L. But, but the segment is called Male Sack. Okay. Okay. AKA Scrotum. Yeah. Sorry. Scrotum. You were saying, John? Yeah. My favorite Nooner song is the one I just listened to last week's episode in preparation for this. <laughs> oh. Aren't you glad oh, you did? <laughs> so are you <laughs> and so uh so yeah, I, I feel prepared. So We used to be such good friends. I love that one. This one is so good. It's I, I love this song. This I, I do too. This is our friend Brad. Just get above with me. Out of nowhere, you said, but I didn't hear you, so I was like, what? what? You said, <laughs> yeah. I was chatting with him just the other day. Yeah. So I was listening to I was listening to this in the car uh, on the way here. I, I was dropping my son off at Sacred Fools for the drama camp. Oh, excellent! 
and uh, and we, he listens to podcasts. He he and and he listens to Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Sure. And so are you listening to it? And um, and he says, uh, what's the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> He, he makes a, it's a very valid criticism. That is, that we ask ourselves that every week. What? Did we, you, we're sh- I'm shutting down the mics and I'm wrapping up cable. I'm like, what the fuck is the point of this? Did, Bullshit did, exercise. Did you just tell him that we, we just love to laugh? I, I just laughed my ass off. And he said, it's sort of like that Sleep With Me podcast. <laughs> well, that would be a fine comparison. Do you know the Sleep With Me podcast? No. No, oh, you should. What is it? Up. Well, it's basically, it's really great. Uh, Somehow this guy tells a really long rambling story and he does it in this really drony voice. Oh, and so he, people can go to sleep? Yeah, it's really effective for putting Oh my God, that's great. Oh, I hope we aren't that. <laughs> um, <so laughs> no, 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 I think we are that. There's so Marty, is there anything in your mail sack? Yes, as a matter of fact, Winmaw. I don't, have, don't know who that is. Says, Hello, uh, Winma. Winwa. Winwa, sorry. Uh, greetings all. I am most likely counted among the dwindling number of listeners who, who enjoy Marty's political commentary. Okay, but does that mean, is it dwindling number of listeners an overall thing? Or is no, it no, the, dwi- no. I there's added the listeners? I, I added, oh, you added the dwindling. That's why I added the dwindling. No, no, I said oh. the dwindling number of listeners who enjoy Marty's pillow. You added the, you enjoy. No, I added the, the pause. Oh, the, oh, okay, I see. Gotcha. Okay, understand. Keep going. You don't understand my no, but I. You know, I have something. I when I when my my son said, "What's the point of this?" I I had a a thought about anyway. No, no, no. Go go ahead. Well, no, like it's well, a constructive criticism. The, the, the thing is, is that <laughs> is that what you're providing here mm-hmm. is a reasonable political point of view, which you know yes. is why that nobody cares, right? <laughs> No, it's true. Fair enough. I, I've thought about that. I was like, I was like, what? Thank it, you. About, I've thought about like why, you know, should, could I do stand-up comedy? I've done it a couple times, and you know, it's just very short little things. But I thought, you know, I'm just not rageful enough, and like I rationalize things in my mind. I'm like, okay, well, you know, the person who cut me off probably had some place to well, go. Well, Marty, maybe you, you know? don't have your place, and I'm not kidding because, it, and we can do the mail side question first. But we should talk about Hannah Gadsby's Netflix comedy. Oh my special, god, that was okay, awesome. well, which is. Stunning, which is stunning, and may have changed some of the nature of comedy. Is she Australian? Tasmanian? No, uh, yes, 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 that's right. And (laughs) so you act like I don't know her, but maybe I'm seeing it's like Karnak, the island of Tasmania. Like the fuck, of course, you're a good pull. Um, is well, she just, a woman? You just look at her and you know she's Tasmanian. Yeah, that's right. She's I mean, got the yes, the Tasmanian. For those of you who don't know, you know, Netflix I don't want to be racist comedy. or whatever. Yeah. That yeah. would be islandist, definitely misogynist. I think she's that's kind. No, but she's definitely like Tasmanian, just the way she dresses. Hey, John, what we try you to could have just a tell just when did someone's tell. Tasmanian? Yeah. no, 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 no. That's not that's not fair to. Oh, well, you can just tell. Sorry, you know how you know that she's Tasmanian because she's got short little legs. No. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> you should watch this Netflix comedy special video there because it's not a comedy. It starts out because she's a famous Australian com- le- lesbian comic. I think she would have Desmanian. self-described her that as that. Mm-hmm. And it starts out being that. And, and I, someone, I didn't know anything about it. So I said, you should watch it. So I just put it on. I'm like, okay, well, I see. And then it becomes, over time, the most amazing hour comedy special doesn't do it justice. It is a, it is a, it's a breathtakingly treat- a treatise- authentic 
Yes, and uh, what I would say is, if you have one hour, watch it from beginning to end. Don't get don't don't stop after ten minutes because you think you know what's going on. You don't. But then your it phone is, and it is one of the greatest one hour quote unquote comedy specials ne- ever made. Ever. Ever. Well, if, you, if you lay, if you put aside even what she says, yes, the fact, the way she takes an audience and you, and takes you somewhere, yes, is astonishing just yes. from a performance and writing perspective. Because I've heard she's done that over two hundred and fifty times, honing it, and yet when you see this, and rightfully so, you it feels as authentic and and honest and original in that moment yeah. as you can You're imagine on a journey being. with her. Yes. I mean, I'm. No, that look, honest. I don't come on often and say like I called up five people that day or emailed or whatever. I got five people to watch it because I wrote and said I I never say this. I you need to just tonight watch this for an hour. It is true, and all five universally came back and said that's the greatest thing I've seen in a very very long time. And now you're seeing articles in the not because of me. You're seeing articles in the now <laughs> no, because no, of no, me. No. You're seeing Take articles the in the New York Times the going credit. like. Hannah Gadsby changing the face. Like, it is It is a genuine word of mouth hit because Netflix put it on. It was Australian comedy special. Tasmanian. No real Tasmanian, sorry. And, uh, and so it's, it's, so out, seriously, out there, watch this. Genuine, genuine heartfelt recommendation from all three of us. I apologize to all our Tasmanian listeners for having to put up with your anti-Tasmania. <laughs> oh, John, you devil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the male sec. That's a show. No, come on. <laughs> Winwah. Winwah. I would love to hear the group's thoughts on universal basic income. I've been finding several articles discussing this recently, and over the past six months, um, some people are advocating for a goal of 100% unemployment where a job is only a temp position and posted as needed. Example, sanitation worker needed for four hours, $10 an hour. Uh, the next day, yes, okay. So uh, recently, the conversations have changed from uh, changed to the need changed to the need to only support those under the poverty line. Mm. That is in direct opposition to everyone uh, is allotted a specific amount per month as a basic income. I'm still trying to form my own opinions on the matter. Do you guys have thoughts? Well, that is a, that is a provocative question for another podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, oh, well, that is a that's a brilliant question, and I don't want to be to pretend to be someone who knows everything about everything. But let me tell you what I think. Okay. No, I don't actually like it, my thoughts would be unschooled and uneducated and it, uninformed. They would only be like having I've heard of the notion, and I think he just articulated the questions surrounding it. First blush, who seems like a little bit of safety net would be good for everybody, but that's literally, I think I would feel uh, stupid weighing in too much more than that because I don't know enough about it. Well, Obama just today said that we should consider universal basic income. I think that's literally what I just said. So Obama and I are on the same page. Yeah. So the the thing about it is that um, if you have unintended consequences, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, I think almost everybody would agree that welfare had some unintended consequences they are not the uh they were exaggerated by vastly yes but they were cruelly yes cruelly and and vastly and and uh but it did have some unintended consequences and this would have some unintended consequences but the it's interesting that we're starting to talk about this because if you look the, the the biggest uh job uh category in this country is driver I think we can all agree that 
sometime in the next decade or two, most things will be driven automatically. Huh. That, that seems That's like an inevitable. inevitable yeah. and, and along with that, almost everything, almost everything, except maybe a, f- a few creative uh, things, mm-hmm. are, can be automated by uh, that artificial is the, That is the big issue of the next few decades, yeah, is job loss due to automation. Right, yeah. and that's really, I mean, you look at the, the factories, the people who are angry Trump voters, they are mostly angry, not because those jobs went overseas, a lot of them went overseas, but a lot of them went to robots. Right, yeah. And, and I think that we're going to be heading into a time when we've almost been lucky Right, that there were enough. I don't think jobs. almost. I think post World War II, America is probably one of the right. Maybe but, but could just argue we earned it, but there was also like that. That won't happen again, where we're just the only superpower left. Well, it's not even the superpower, but you think about like okay, the the capitalist system is based on you do something, yep. I pay you, therefore you're valuable. Right, right. Your entire value is based on money. Yep. I mean, in our culture, right. You can you can say all kinds of hairy fair, airy fairy things, but basically, if you have a lot of money, you're more valuable. Right. Money equals value. Yes, right. And the way most people get their money is they work a reasonable amount of time. Right. You know, when yep. some people work an unreasonable amount of time, and some people work less and they get less, right. and some people get paid a hundred, like a million dollars an hour. Right. Yes. Or, and some people get paid seven. Vastly an hour. different. Yeah. But yeah. you work. Yeah. And you get paid or you own things. Yeah. And you get paid because you own it. Yeah. Right. Which is much is a better system. I mean, a better yeah. thing. Yeah. Basic building blocks. Yeah. But if there's no work to do and right. you don't and you don't need anybody to help you create your value. Like, for instance, I wrote a book. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's on Amazon. Now, I, I, I self-published it. And so it and somehow. I mean, this is inconceivable 10 years ago, but somehow it just appears like it's right. automatically created whenever anybody, the rare times that somebody <laughs> buys it. Um, so in do, just in doing that, um, that cuts out uh, editors, it cuts out printers, right. it cuts out right. all kinds of people. I can just, you know, create value in this sort of almost magical way. All this digital stuff, we're creating this podcast, right? And and it's digitally, suddenly there's a gazillion, as many... Yeah. Uh, uh, versions as you want. And we're there. this close to being able to get rid of Marty. I mean, it's like almost, I mean, virtually at this point. Well, actually, robot I mean, could yeah, do this. a robot could do, yeah. could do this. Yeah. You could have, I mean, look at that. Be a weird, robot host and you and I just come on and talk. Or that weird, uh, uh, you know, Google thing where they, where they, they set a, uh, an appointment. Do you guys yeah. hear that? Where they, oh. they, mm. they, they the, the, the automated inte- intelligent agent called up and made an appointment for somebody and they showed that and it freaked everybody else because the automatic intelligent agent said, hi, I'm calling to um, make a um, appointment, a hair appointment mm-hmm. for uh, Alice and the person on the other line had no idea she's talking to a robot. Because of the, the, um, the, this, the, and the ads. oh my gosh. Yeah, and, and, and it, it actually backfired on Google because they were demonstrating it and everybody freaked out. But, you know, you could really imagine in like right. five years yeah. you create a... Uh, you could have. I mean, there are no no need for assistants or drivers or or truckers or so many different things that that will be automated and yet value will still be generated in the economy. So is the is what you're saying is that universal basic income would therefore might be a tonic to the fact that there simply aren't going to be jobs yeah. for people to get paid for, yeah. and we need to make sure that just people have no money and no. Yeah. Ag- so it's safety net yeah. issue. Yeah. So do you think that? People, everybody should get a universal basic income or just those in 
who aren't working and, and who are in need. No, I think I think it'd be better if it was a, it was a universal floor. Well, because yeah. then you couldn't you could at least I mean part of the you you wouldn't necessarily have the bromide of uh, oh, we're paying for other to support other people. Although in some cases it's it'd be a it's well, kind of a false thing because they don't really need the money. It's, so, a, it's the same as social security except it starts when you're 20. Right. Yes. So basically yes. there's you're right. they're always Anytime you have a system that disperses money, there's going to be flaws in it, and there are going to be people trying to take advantage of it. You mm-hmm. see it in Medicare. You see it in the tax laws. You, you know, mm-hmm. just a- any situation. Yep. And th- this way, you would, if it is universal, mm-hmm. there's no really room for fraud, right? Because well, I mean, it it it's it in seems theory, like, but yeah, I, yeah theory, where, where there's money, there's fraud, right? Then, but but it would it would reduce it, and it would, it's sort of like Social Security. I mean, I just heard this podcast about. Uh, Social Security and pointing out that the fact that Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are qualified for it is is its strength. You know, the, everybody right. everybody gets right, it. Right, right. So you don't <laughs> you just don't attack it and say, oh, it's only for poor people or right. for lazy people or right. whatever. Or and then Darren points out that uh, you get a savings uh, made in the bureaucracy or like well, yeah, you, know, you don't have to because the administration for it, you just get it. right. The, which I is do great. think you're you such a valuable phrase for these things unintended consequences and i tend to think that almost about everything that if you and i'm this isn't an argument against <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> you just pissed me off damn it <laughs> um is that at listening here and my own personal thoughts seems like ubi is a, is a good and interesting idea and a provocative one and one worth exploring and you're right there's always something you don't think of when it when it comes along and it, and that ha- that may that's not a reason not to do it, but it is a nothing is ever perfect. No system ever works exactly like you designed it. And yes, there are ways that it could go wrong that you could not have conceived of and might have make you in retrospect say, "Well, we probably should have done that." Won't say that's happening here, but it, I love that phrase and use it often in unintended consequences because it just feels like every time in life, every project, every everything, you make a decision in a big one, and there's there's some ramification that you yeah. just couldn't then, quite have known. Then to the see. critics get to latch onto that and say, "Why didn't you see this unintended consequence?" And look, in some cases they might be right. Yeah. In some cases they might well be right. Not necessarily that you didn't foresee it, but that it didn't work for X reason that nobody quite knew. Mm-hmm. I always find that quite fascinating and, and a sociological perspective. Mm-hmm. There was a course at, at Yale uh, called a. Uh, Accidental disasters, something like that. Mm. Great sociologist. And his mm. old thing was about unintended consequences. And some of them were about big failure catastrophes, like Titanic mm. and Three Mile Island. Mm. And this isn't quite on topic, but his his point was at those big at the big, big catastrophes that happen in the mm. world, stock mm. market, it's not one thing that goes wrong, and sometimes not even three. It's like mm. ten things have to go wrong at once. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Titanic doesn't turn at this moment and the mm-hmm. things with this and the that and that. It's not just one thing, it hit an iceberg. It's ten things in a system yeah. that have unintended consequences. And when you have enough of them aggregately go wrong at the same time you have a three mile island or this or a ubi is a catastrophic failure mm-hmm. or trump gets elected that that i think absolutely would qualify as because mm-hmm. you you couldn't say i am not a believer that you can look at one thing and no. say at that election because in pennsylvania we lost by over one hundred twenty thousand votes no matter what you tell me about michigan and wisconsin where it was a lot tight as a tick maybe mm-hmm. campaigning would have changed it different or mm-hmm. in effect i'm sure it would have been maybe the email pennsylvania we Florida, we lost by a lot. And Pennsylvania, we lost by quite a bit, too. So when you look at the soup of reasons for Trump, mm-hmm. it's you, you would be wrong to say, it happened because those emails, uh, Comey opened the case up a week earlier. Or it mm-hmm. happened because she did in Wisconsin. Ten things happened. They all came together. 
if one of them hadn't happened, we might have squeaked by, but right. they all came together, right. and and it was a Titanic. Yeah. Nice bringing it. Nice bringing it home. Yeah. Dan. JJ yeah. writes in. I uh, thought you said there's only one one uh, thing in your sack. No, I've got more. Okay. Uh, JJ writes Thanks, in. Thanks, Winwa. I yeah, great question. And we we I've talked about it before, but um, we will continue to talk about it. So uh, JJ wrote earlier, and uh, he says that he needs to clarify some things. Um, thank you for the update on the MERPS. We have one of them. What does here that today. stand for, by the way? Minor ne- minor internet radio personality. <laughs> that was what we. That was what Marty and I d- entitled ourselves, Merps. <laughs> That's, yeah. I don't know we, why. It, I we started in personality and then <laughs> added adjectives to d- diminish it until we felt like there was enough adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the show Barry has been on my radar for a while. Have you guys watched that? No. I've only seen the first one, and I, I stopped watching, and then everybody said it's so great, I intend on finishing. Yeah. I just want to see Henry Winkler. I just think he's... Best. Yeah, it's yeah. nice when somebody has sort of a latent career. Although he did Arrested Development, but still, it's like he has such value as an actor, and it's great he's getting yeah. a chance to display yeah. it. Yeah. And everybody says he's the nicest guy. Um, JJ earlier asked about the show Mr. Young because Marty often speaks of auditions where he's told to chink it up. Um, really? It's only been in that word. Oh no, Marty's words. Um, there's only been two. I'm saying that you've heard that word. You've heard that phrase no, said to you. That's I've awful. used that phrase. I've oh, oh, I see. I see. What do they actually say? You're describing it to. We want you to Asian, Asian it up. Yeah. No, so uh, I was on be Mad. More, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be like I swish on, it up. Or up I was on Mad ish. TV doing a thing with uh, Bobby Lee, and uh, he was doing Kim Jong Il. Kim. Kim yeah, the, 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 father. the father. Yeah, and. Uh, they're all clones of each it other. Was, yeah. It was funny. It's, uh, it was actually The Apprentice, like, and in the oh, Donald Trump role God. was... Jesus. And so I was... It was me and the Omarosa, like, person, you know, yeah. we were in it, and if you lost, you got killed. And uh, it wasn't the most funny thing, but it was fun to do. Right. And then, so I'm like, no, no. And then the director comes up, and he's like, um, can you... Uh, hmm. And I said, chink it up. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, do you mind? <laughs> oh my so God. then I just did a dumb Asian accent. But I do understand what you were trying. You were trying to cut through the shit and say, what you want me to do is you want me to go as stereotypical yeah. here as yeah. possible. And because you are you, you were able to use that phrase. Yes, because I am me. Yeah. And I guess there's a character on the show, Mr. Young, who um, it's a children's show in Canada mm-hmm. And he has an accent, and he plays the janitor, and he does martial arts. Mm. Hmm. And yeah, and he's black. And he's black. Mm. No, I don't know his name, but well, he is has there a s- question here, Marty? He, he just thought it was a good topic to s- discuss, and I, I think I don't even. I'd never it's, heard of him. The thing is, it's, it's, he's played by Mickey Rooney. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> seems in Congress. The guy's name is Raigu uh, Yu, right? Raugi Yu is, and he. It's hard because you gotta work, right? Or, well, or here's the thing. I'm, what I'm trying to—I actually don't understand—and I'm not being snarky. I'm, I just want to understand it. Is there something about the show that we should be discussing that I don't understand? Or is well, it because, because he's an Asian character, okay, with a thick accent, yep. who does martial arts, and he's like the janitor. So it's like a—it's like a so you joke. F- you feel like it, there's? Uh, uh, I did not hear there was an Asian character, so that. I that see, is I what see. that's now. Now I understand what you're saying is there's a there's a stereotype aggregate occurring in right, this. right, okay, right, very good. Uh, and that um, it's bad. You know, it's just a bunch of white Canadians and but is it done kids. straight on? I mean, is it like 
I haven't seen the show. There's a clip. I, I should have watched it beforehand. I just think it, it's hard as an it's hard to blame the actor. Like uh Getty Watanabe was in um Sixteen Candles right. playing Long Duck yeah. Dong. And now we look back with some feeling oh, like no, that was we in, don't, don't yeah. look back. When you're when you're the Asian dude like in the theater watching that, yeah. you don't you don't need you, to look no, back. No, I was talking about my personal experience, not your <laughs> personal experience. Um, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, of course. It was probably more just like just like f- f- seeing flouncy gay characters are he, the only gay characters in the 80s. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So and going was, like, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I have no butt. <laughs> <laughs> no butt. <laughs> no comma butt. IFI. <laughs> Iron Fist Improv. So... Yeah, Getty Watanabe was on a call-in show. He was on Loveline once, and I called in and I asked him if he was, pr- if there were any roles that he was proud of. I mean, it was a kind of a shitty thing to ask yeah, him, but yeah, but what uh, about, uh, he was actually Gung-ho. pretty good. Yeah, that's what he said. He yeah, said Gung that Ho was, was a good. That, that he was what? Cool. Yeah. Gung Ho, that Ron Howard movie, Michael Keaton uh, was about the. Was it good? Uh, you know, it was probably pretty good. Yeah, but Tac- he, uh, yeah, tried to be a topical comedy. Yeah, yeah about about. Uh, Japanese man globalization, you know, plant and then yeah. figure out a way to work together and worst of both worlds, best of both worlds things. Yeah, um, that's interesting. But, you know, he was he was very gracious because like he got hassled, yeah. you know, by every Asian person, like even to this day, he would have to change his phone number every couple of years because people would find it and then like harass him. All right. The- Harass him on the well, street. I don't think they should harass him. No, no, and that's why I think like you. It's really like John Hughes's fault. I mean, if you look at so many things about the, his movies that are inappropriate now, like Molly Ringwald came out against The Breakfast Club because she, you know, like at one point, like she gets like sexually molested by Judd Nelson, and then they have their like their little romance, you know. And I have to watch that again. You know, it's with this Mr. Young show. I like. I think context is everything, and I don't know the context, so this might be easily answerable. But if, like, say, if Andrew Reynolds is that how you say his last name from Girls, who played the gay character, he's on Into the mic. Into the, the mic. Uh, yeah, if he did a show in which he was playing a Into very stereotypical, if he did a show where he was playing a. You know when you said in the mic, I thought you were saying like the name of a show that oh, he did, no, no. And like called Into the Mic, and I'm like, sure, okay, in the mic, yeah, it was great. Um, if he did a show with a very stereotypical gay character. Um, I would tend to think, okay, he's working that from the inside and he's having fun with the stereotype in a way. That, you know what I mean? Like that context would probably make it fun. If somebody, if a bunch of straight guys got together and made a show about that same character, I might wonder, not that they couldn't, but mm. if it was just purely an aggregate of stereotypes with nothing else going on, then I, that would be feel suspect. Mm. But not saying he can't. I don't, I do. We should probably talk about this too. Like I'm really wondering about this whole like, I actually want to know. Like, I am confused about my own thoughts. Legitimately, the, there was the the, the the woman. I am. We are the, too. The woman uh, who had her who had, is missing both her legs, or she has. Uh, Tammy Duckworth. No, it's an actress and a stunt woman, and she wrote an open letter to Dwayne Johnson saying, "You should not have played somebody who who was missing a leg in the skyscraper." And Daniel um, Day-Lewis uh, d- should not have played. Well, I'm just saying what she said, and I'm and I'm wondering, like, I I do understand all these things, but I'm wondering at what point, and I'm not the judge of this, and I'm legitimately like confused about my own thoughts. Like, I, nobody's going to make a hundred eighty million dollar movie, uh, without a, and a bankable star at the front of it. Sure, but where is that line drawn? We certainly would not have want. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, does this mean only a disabled actor can play? Mm-hmm. And, but I also know that we need to create opportunity. Like, I'm very was confused Scarlett, about that. Scarlett Johansson playing a trans man. Well, yeah, that, that that is a big thing that came up right now, and I and I'm 
I, I will be honest. I'm listening. I'm doing a lot of listening. I know that's kind of a cliche, but I'm not. Sh- I like. I'm just listening right now because it's it's an interesting. Like, at what point and who gets to decide? Well, this is the moment that you know people from North Dakota can't play South Dakota, and I know I'm setting up a straw man there. I know that's a that is a dumb out yeah, thing. That would never happen. Well, but the, my point is, is South like, what, are who gets morons. to decide where that line is? I don't know. I don't know, and I'm they I'm, don't have uh, the skill. Confused by that. They could not play in North Dakota. No, yeah. they don't understand the subtleties. You yeah. know. The so I, I do, well, I'm, I'm also there's to nobody, nobody lives in North Dakota. Yeah, I would say that like having a person of authenticity, you know, that parallels yeah. the role, brings uh, an extra dimension to the role. I don't think it right. it it makes the the role impossible. Uh, I also, I think there's a greater awareness in, about uh, in the trans about the trans community, <laughs> and there's a uh, uh, we're seeing that there's a, a a wealth of actors in there, so you, that should at least be explored. Yeah, I, uh, that's again, like I am not. I'm coming at this with like I'd love to know so, what everybody thinks, and and then does that apply? Then we apply that to so a, what her argument was in the, the Dwayne Johnson moment, was yeah. you should get somebody who is missing a leg to play somebody who's missing a leg. At what so instead of making a, a hundred and eighty million dollar movie with The Rock, you should. You should instead you should take that same script and you should make a, a four million dollar movie with somebody who is actually missing a leg who nobody knows who has I, a body like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Sure. I don't know the answer to the question she poses. It's uh, a provocative one because it well, starts to ask his where is the line right. when an actor he should have cut something. off his leg. That's what he should have done. <laughs> <laughs> it is it, but it is interesting. Like at what point is that? What point it, do we say okay? Well, this is the moment where you know. Yeah, it's. I. Uh, I think this is a legitimate question. All right. Yeah. Leo writes in, "Dear Murps, I'm sending this email on Tuesday morning, after the last lunar episode dropped. Uh, I missed Dan's political analysis. I'd like to ask him the following question: hmm. What impression or feelings did the Trump-Putin Helsinki summit leave <laughs> on you? What's your take on it? This is Leo from Finland. Leo from Finland. And that I, is really lovely that uh, someone's wait I, from Finland. Yeah, I know. I asked him. I was like. Leo, fuck Dan. What about you? Leo? Yeah, what, what about you, you? What do you have to say? Uh, he uh, said he of Helsinki I, he's or there. Finland. He's there. He was there. there. You were there. He, he I mean, said there's only, there's only one. You were the host nation. Finland. He, he said uh, must have been standing there. Sadly, the, there was you know day to day coverage of the summit, but he didn't really follow it because he was at work. Because it lasted for an hour. Yeah. Uh, I think that Trump was oddly accommodating towards Putin. You oddly. Think? Oddly. Think? Yeah, it w- it was unprecedented, but not surprising at all. You know, it's one of those. Um, mm. yeah, well, Leo, I, perhaps you weren't able to hear the beginning of the show, so we talked about it a bit because I did post something. No, he 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 did. Oh, he did. Uh, okay, uh, great. Well, he ha- he he. So it's sort to of a follow up. Oh, here's what I would like. And he lives a hundred ab- kilometers. Like in a, in a in a in a two years of outrage or a year and a half of outrages, this outrage. It's all you. It is everybody talks about normalizing, and that's the problem. Is you really? It's not that we're getting in your diet. Like every day, there's outrages. This outrage was so particularly goddamn outrageous that even I'm, Fox News thought it was even outrageous. Fox News thought it was outrageous. Um, will it be a turning point in his presidency? I have no longer believed that I understand turning points anymore when it regard to Trump, or I don't believe there are turning points. Uh, I just believe there will either be in there's he's got X amount of supporters who will apparently not desert him under any rationale whatsoever. And it is simply, can we bring together enough of a coalition of Democrats, independents, and disaffected Republicans to defeat that? And that's tough in America because of the way democracy works. If you have a hardcore 30% of, well, 30% of 
uh, 30% of people who believe something yeah. and they're super hardcore about it, yeah. you can win a lot of elections that way. Yeah. yeah. You can splinter the other people. Yeah. So I don't know what the turning point is. I don't know if this is a turning point, but that, that was that was so egregious what occurred yesterday. It was pretty shocking. Um, and that's the mail sack. See, we had some, some great mail. Yeah. Mail sack, mail sack. A beep, pop, beep, lead, mail doop, sack. Doop, Bang. <laughs> Dan, you were so uh, judicious with your clapping just then. Well, because, Marty, you'd given me a little cue that my clapping annoys you. <laughs> I apologize to our Tasmanian listeners for that clapping. Oh, I did want to just back up about the universal basic income. Sorry, and I just need to respond to a text. Okay. Uh, the, there are some experiments going on. They did one in Finland that they yeah, should yeah, have done longer. Right, um, yeah. They're doing one in, in uh, the Netherlands right now. And Stockton, California has uh, an experiment in place. And I think it, it, it is going to be cheaper than people think it, it's going to be, you know, because, uh, like you said, we were saying there's less bureaucracy. And then you eliminate other sort of uh, funding things, right? Hmm. Because that are that are bureaucratic, and then you trust people to spend the money how they want. Um, the, the interesting thing is 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 it brings up a question for me. It bring I mean, you look at look at the way things are going uh, in the future, right? And you, it's really hard to imagine. Although you know, when I was I was in junior high, I was told by my social studies professor uh, or teacher <laughs> in seventh grade, wasn't a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't, I didn't go to um, Hogwarts, um, but <laughs> but uh, he said you're the first generation that uh, of Americans who've been told that you will probably not have it as good as your parents. You know that was wow. In, that was in pretty, the 70s. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, but the thing is, he was wrong. Uh-huh. I mean, things have gotten economically better and better against all sort of logic because of. Uh, Technology. Right. We've gotten our economy because of the internet and because of other things has gotten more and more and more efficient. Uh, lots of scientific uh, revolutions have made everything from you know food to cars cheaper. Uh, globalization has made uh, production much more efficient. So that you know when I was a kid, we didn't have uh, we weren't badly off, but we didn't have a lot of money, and so we'd shop at Marshalls, and I would wear regular clothes. Because they were cheaper. And a regular back then was like messed up. Uh-huh. And the clothes, I know, I just remember going to Marshall's and like the clothes were, you know, it was $12, $14 for pants and, you know, $8 for shirts. You can go to Old Navy now and get the same clothes for almost exactly the same price and there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. You know, I remember <laughs> like the clothes I used to, <laughs> used to have, it'd be like, wait, uh, you know, after about few months I'm like these pants don't oh because the right leg is oh that's what it's irregular <laughs> the right leg is longer than the other one the other leg which would be the left leg um so my point and and so uh we've things have gotten better and better and better right mm-hmm. and they've gotten more and more efficient you look forward and you look at these the what's happening in technology and ai automation and ubiquitous AI, I mean, you, your house is smart, right? Smarter than me. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're going to have a time when there's going to be, there aren't going to be as many jobs as there are people. 
Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we we have billionaires, like people who own things. Like you look at what Google, like the guys at Google, right? They are super billionaires. Jeff Bezos is probably going to be a trillionaire. Yeah, he's he, on he's track. the richest person in like modern history. 150 yeah. billion. Yeah, yeah, and there's no reason to think that his do- Amazon's dominance of basically all of retail commerce, is going right? yeah all of commerce yeah. is going to change you look at like what um the google guys can do i mean they're just trying to figure out some other ways of making money they own the entire internet like they make money off of almost everybody on there and the interesting thing is they're selling advertising so it, you kind of go well I, I mean i have everything i need really you know what i mean like i i'm 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 over 50 <laughs> but I don't I'm like looking at it going I don't you know you can no longer need to buy a new computer because you know the one that I have from like five years ago is powerful enough to do edit, everything you, you edit video right. easily <laughs> right <laughs> right right it's not like if I get a new one it's going to be even faster because yes. it's already faster than I can tell you know what I mean so yeah. the, my point is is that we're heading towards a future that is so different and weird and we're also heading toward a future where almost everybody is going to have nothing. But, but they're going to they be fine. And then there's going to be a few people who are billionaires and trillionaires. I haven't had much. I think what's going to happen is there's just going to be a bunch of new jobs. Like everybody's going to be like, uh, you know, a a poet or, a, uh, you know, oh, would you like to buy one of my haikus? Yeah. And, and, I think or like a the massage problem is therapist. Everybody here you know. is discounting the healing power of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Point Etheridge. Why? <laughs> All right. On that note, I think that's, that's going to be the takeaway from today's show. Just bring, take Dr. Dan in the house. Dr. Dan will, del- will heal what ails you. Yep. You problems know. with. Never mind. All right. All so right. Dan, you're you're off to I am off Danada. to uh, Vancouver to shoot uh, when, I Zombie season five. Be, when uh, when is that? We'll see it uh, next uh, in 2019 on the CW. But when are you leaving? I mean, literally. Do you want me to tell you the flight I'm on? No, just the, the day. Next Tuesday. Okay, fine. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Not yet. Yeah. No. 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 Ah, sorry. And John, uh, how when you when are you gonna go up at the Laugh Factory? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 the class has a has a showcase, but I can't do it because I'm doing something else. Oh. So I, I I'm gonna start doing open mics. Open mics. And uh, I, I, I wrote a uh, a pilot with my friend uh, Jonathan Goldstein that we oh, hope is gonna JG. it's gonna be a sort of a new version of something. Uh huh. And, and you finished it? <laughs> yeah, I, I finished it with a manager. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan was on. Uh, Drake and, Josh. Drake and Josh and J- Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh. He yeah. played one of their dads, or are they were they brothers? They they were uh, step brothers. It's uh-huh. it's very much it's like Brady Bunch meets um, Odd Couple, and uh, it was a really big show for people who are now like twenty two. Uh huh. So they're having a nostalgic renaissance. Yeah, for it. it's yes. sort of like you know for for me if I if I uh, you know the guy Robert Reed was it Robert yeah. Reed yeah. yeah from the Brady Bunch he's he's so he's this generation died of AIDS. He died of AIDS. He did die of AIDS. He's yeah. a big theater actor. Yeah. yeah. He's a Shakespearean guy, right? Yep. It, uh, he also apparently hated being Mike Brady. That was way below him. But he uh, whatever. Well, you know. Jonathan doesn't feel that way. He wishes he was back. Yes. <laughs> nice work <laughs> if you can get it, yes. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thank you guys for, for coming. Dan, when you're back in town, please come back. I'd love to come back to my show anytime. <laughs> <clears throat> 
So I are will, you gonna? You're, are you really gonna commit to, to living back here after this season? You um, said that. I, my aspiration is to become a full time Los Angeles resident. Well, bring some jobs. Back. It is the fifth and final season of iZombie. The, the network has said that, which is great because we're gonna get to write an right, ending. Right, for it. And yeah. that, so I think that's a perfect time to make some decisions to be in Los Angeles full time. Of course, Rob and I are cooking up stuff, so you never know. Where you know, Rose lives us. like a quarter mile from here. I know she does. Yeah. I'm coming there tomorrow night, but I won't say hi to you. Well, I won't be there. Very good. All right. Uh, well, thank you guys for, for coming. John, come back too, please. I'd love to. I love coming here. It's All really right. nice. It's weird. And it's like a healing power it's, of it's laughter. A, it's funny because I listen to this, this show, and it seems like a real thing, and then I come here, and it's just no, it's just a bunch like of a real thing. Wires on a kitchen table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe that we recorded this. Uh, well, or well hopefully, hopefully I did. Oh, we yeah. failed. Did we yes. listen? Did we, did we actually I'll record check, it? I'll check Can, it. Would it be appropriate at this time, or is it too late to talk about the fact that we started late and somebody else w- was podcasting something? Yeah, apologies. That was not us. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it was <laughs> the delightful <laughs> Ming. Just so you know, yeah. Ming, Ming left For his machine on. For those of you who were listening yeah. two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was because... That was not our fault. We were all here on time, ready to go, and the stream had not been properly released. Release Release the stream! (laughs) And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.